privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join Rabbit and Red Radio Network on Patreon for exclusive shows, content, swag, and more. For the low price of $2 per month, you can join the family. So check us out at patreon.com slash network one That's patreon.com slash network the number one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Hot Seat. I'm Crippled Cody. We're going to continue on in our tradition of having Rabbit and Red hosts on to my show so you all can get to know them just a little bit better than you would on a normal occasion on one of their shows. Today, we have the normal side of my name, the other Cody, the more conservative Cody, maybe? I don't know. We'll get into all that for sure on the show coming up next. It's Cody Robinson on our show in the hot seat coming up next right after this intro. Oh God, yeah, I love that fucking intro. That that's that. You go ahead and say your opinion on that, Cody Robinson. What Aaron does everything on this network. Do I do I need to blow him too? <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking good stuff. Normal Cody, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. <laughs> yep, yeah, we uh, we're starting off hot already, aren't we? <laughs> You're hey, right. the only way to do it. You're right. We all blow him enough on this fucking network, you know? <laughs> but yet he's not a fucking Patreon supporter, right? Just like I said in the beginning. Well, technically I'm not either. Uh, I just threatened my old lady, you know, and told her, well, no, I told her, I said, hey, uh, you have to subscribe to this and I'll give you five bucks a month. Wait, uh, is, is your girlfriend on there? Yeah, yeah, that's Krista Lacey, yep. Oh, that's your girlfriend? That's your wife? or uh, Might as well be, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Girlfriend, fiance, whatever. Your partner, whatever. Well, anyway, I didn't even fucking know that. My they-them, you know. Goddamn. 
anyway, I'm well, hey, I'm glad uh, your girlfriend's supporting. Does she watch any of your shows? Hell no. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, um, like I said in the intro, we uh, we're gonna continue on with this trend of having some uh, some rabbit and red hosts on our on this show, and I think the last couple of episodes have definitely been pretty good. Have you been? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Every one of them. I never miss it. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. I mean, uh, like you said, it it lets uh, people kind of get to be a bit more intimate with all the hosts of Rabbit and Red, and I think that's great. I mean, uh, when you had Mike on, I thought, oh, this is probably going to be kind of boring because you guys had done Tales from the Crypts together for about a year, and I, I found out stuff about Mike that I even I didn't know, and I've been friends with him for over a decade. Right, and I told him ahead of time, because me and him had this long talk, I think maybe three or four days before that episode, and the, and the talk that we had about it probably lasted almost as long as the episode did. And I, I told him, I was like, look, this, it, like, just like you just said, this isn't going to be Tales from the Crypts. This isn't going to be us joking and making offensive jokes the whole time about disability and bitches and all that other shit. It's, I want to know about you. I want to know about your troubles and what you went through. And, like, and I, I think you did a great job. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I was kind of floored by it. I, it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Right. Um, and, you know, and then we, when me and you came up with the idea of you coming onto the show, immediately I thought, like, God damn, this is that we're going to make a banger out of this one. Because I believe hey. you have the balls to go a little bit further with your views, your opinions and beliefs than either even other people that has been on my show so far have. So, I um I I I'm gonna hit you with the hard hitting questions tonight. Buddy. Hey, don't hold back. Don't hold back. I won't. Well, you know how I like to start all this. I I like to start out with the humble beginning segment of my interview. We should actually get Aaron to like create a header for that, right? Like a graphic. <laughs> humble beginning. Humble beginnings, and we could just have like a a cartoony like baby crawling across the screen, but we could put like whoever's face on it each and every time whoever's to guest you know what i mean maybe that'd be too much for him i don't know but yeah the baby um, gets picked up uh jeffrey epstein swings by and picks snatches him up and throws him in a bag you know so, yeah. yeah drops him off at the parking at the handicapped parking spot in the parking lot <laughs> yeah Hell something yeah. like that oh <laughs> god not to me jesus christ so there's what, enough Cody's here tonight. Exactly. We got cripple Cody and normal Cody. God damn it. Which by the way, I'm thankful you went back to normal Cody for this episode tonight. Of course. Of course. Um, so let's start off with this. How old are you, Cody? I'm 42. You're not. Are you 42? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, getting up there. What the fuck? Why was I thinking you were in your mid thirties? <laughs> You're 42. You motherfucker. You, ah, uh. I've never kissed a cripple, but, you know. No, I, actually, that's a running joke with all my friends. They all, all my friends are either, none of them are my age. They're either a couple years older than me or the friends I grew up with, at least, my, my inner circle, if you will. Uh, and they're they're all a little older than me or a little younger than me. Uh, and and they all give me shit about being the oldest one in the group. Uh but uh, I catch a lot of shit on that. But uh, yes, thank you for being the only person who has ever assumed I was in my 30s. 
I did. I thought you were like maybe like maybe a year older than me. I'm 35. I thought maybe you were like maybe 36. I don't know. Maybe why I got it confused because I know I asked you before how old your woman was and isn't she a bit younger than you? Uh, yeah, she's 33. You know what? Then that's. I think that's why I got confused. I remembered you telling me that your girlfriend was in her 30s. So I. <laughs> but now. Hey, hey, it's okay because I'm forever 21 at heart. Okay, yeah, I am too on my dating sites that I get on. <laughs> yeah, because I like to talk to younger women as well. So I respect you on that one. Um, how long have you known your woman? Let's just start there. How long have you known your girlfriend? Uh, four years. Only four years? Okay. And you yeah, met her four on a years. Site, yeah. right? You met her on a dating site? Uh, no, just through Facebook, through mutual oh. friends on Facebook. Uh, and, um, yeah, it, we kind of just hit it off. Um, yeah. How long was it before you were sending dick pics? Oh, God. I think we were living together. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah, living so, so, yeah, together? a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years probably, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll get back to all that in just a minute. I was just curious. You know, you're talking about your girlfriend for a minute. Um, and still, still, I'm sure my friends get more of my dick pics than she does, so she's oh, kind of jealous of that. Jesus yeah. Christ. I have definitely had some motherfuckers on my Facebook get, like they were drunk, and they definitely meant to send dick pics to someone else, and then they send them to me, and it's like, what the fuck? You're like, you're lucky I'm not homophobic because I would have gotten seriously <laughs> pissed, and that would have severed our friendship, but... Just like, dude, what the fuck? Like, even I'm bigger than you. No, no, all mine were intentional. Oh. <laughs> so, goddamn, you're in your early 40s. Are you feeling? Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. Are you feeling <laughs> your body slowing down yet? Oh my god, it's it's like 40 was that big speed bump. Really, the late 30s, 38, 39, you're starting to feel some chinks in the armor, but 40s, like, bam, hitting that brick wall. And uh, I, I've, I've got over the 40 uh, depression or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it definitely has been an adjustment. Right. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask, uh, in a few more years or however long it takes when your hair starts really, really going gray, are you going to be the type of guy to just keep dyeing it or are you just going to go with the gray? No, no, I won't dye it. No, I'll go with no. gray. That's good. That's good. I'm too that's, cheap that's, to pay for hair dye. Right. That's what real men do. Just let it go gray. That's what I'll do when my hair starts to go gray or whatever. I'm not going to fuck with it. Like, why? Yeah, well, I, when I turn 40, I'm like, it's not so bad. I got a gray hair here, there, you know, just a few. Not really noticeable. And now, two years later, it's like, half gray now when I let it grow out. I'm like, oh, shit, this is escalating quickly. Right, right, right. So, <clears throat> all right, let's go back to the beginning. I always tell people this. Let's let's go back to your childhood, whatever you feel comfortable with as a starting point. You know, you can talk about your relationship with your parents, talk about how childhood was. Tell me anything you – tell the audience anything you want us to all know about your childhood, and then we'll go from there. Uh, part of it sucked, part of it didn't. Like most people, you know, it, of course. But uh, no, I mean, where do you want me to start? I can. Uh, let's start with the good things. Jesus Christ. Let's good things. Not start. Good things. Off. Okay. Yeah. Let, I'm all let's for not that. Start off on negativity. Jesus. Okay. Speaking of the good things. <laughs> Have you ever gotten to the very end of that in the show? 
Like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I finish it just about every show. It, it, oh. it just holds two beers. Okay. <laughs> so childhood. Let's let's talk about it. what age. What, what when do you want to start? Um. I mean, there's not a lot to tell, really. Um. Let's start. Okay. Um. I'll ask you then. When when what was your first theatrical experience? My first theatrical experience. Hmm. It might have been, let's see, I was born in November of 86. I feel like it might have been Ghostbusters 2 because Oh yeah, 89, I, yeah. I I feel like my mother has told because I feel like I've asked her this before. What was the very first movie you ever took me to go see? And I think she always has said she said I'm pretty sure it's Ghostbusters 2. Cuz obviously, and it was so funny because growing up I would constantly forget that I wasn't even alive when the first one came out. Um, and I also remember one of my first most important, you know, uh, Christmas gifts uh, was the first Ghostbusters movie on VHS. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 you know, and I, I've always been tied to the Ghostbusters franchise emotionally. And uh, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Ghostbusters 2, I, I think. I can't remember what would have been next after that. Did did Wes Craven's New Nightmare go to theaters? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, that was 94. That was my freshman year of high school. Because I feel like I did go see that. Because I, I, I mean, my parents just let me watch whatever the fuck, um, you know, as far as horror movies goes. And, um, I, you know, it's so funny because I remember, like, talking with my mom about this several years ago. And she said that they always thought that, it was going to be Freddy Krueger that was going to like traumatize me. And it wasn't, I think I said this on a past episode, but it was the Hellraiser movies that traumatized me the most. Not. Okay. Okay. That's a great segue. Cause my first theatrical experience was uh, crocodile Dundee in 1987. Uh, but it, what stuck out to me uh, was uh, the, the trailer for Hellraiser actually played before Crocodile Dundee, and I was like, what is this? I must see this. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I still love Croc Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2. I, I had this really, well, fortunately still have uh, this really wonderful grandmother uh, on my father's side that uh, I was, well, I was raised by my grandparents. I'll get that out of the way. Um, and uh, my grandmother, at least once a month, would uh, take me to the, we didn't have a theater in town. We had to drive to the uh, the uh, closest town about 40 miles away. But at least once or twice a month, uh, whenever I was a kid, she would take me to the uh, show. And it was always what, or most always, whatever I would want to see. You know, so I got to see got to see a lot of the great movies of the uh, 80s uh, on the big screen. Would you would you agree with me that horror's best decade is the 80s? Without a doubt. Yeah, without a fucking doubt. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like today's horror movies does bring a level of intensity that, I, and I I think that's what current modern day horror movies have over the past is you they can reach a level of intensity with atmosphere and lighting and cinematography and you know just all of that. <clears throat> Maybe that was lacking a bit from the eighties and nineties, but as far as special effects and casting. Oh my God! You, there's just you don't have the the type of human beings in today's world that you had back then, and just 
all those actors that you know i'm not even talking about just the popular ones like heather Langenkamp and 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 uh you know all them from nightmare on elm street and friday the 13th and uh jamie lee curtis and just i'm not even talking about just the big hitters like even all of the smaller ones like i just watched uh house with berlia just the other day the original one from 1986 yeah william Kent, yeah yeah, and don't even get me started on how I feel about part two. I don't like the second adventure or whatever the fuck it's called. I know it's got a lot of fans, whatever. It's okay, Cody, if you like that movie, but for me, the I'm second- okay. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> it just doesn't. It's not a horror movie. It's it just it's an action adventure like Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the I, first- I only like it because the old zombie, uh, the old zombie grandfather, and it reminds me of my grandfather. Oh, yeah. that's. I get it. That's a good reason to like that movie. I will admit, I haven't gotten to see part three or four yet. Are they? Oh, God. Uh, I watched them when I was a teenager. Um, and that's the last time I've watched either. Three uh, Three wasn't even the house movie. It had Lance Hendrickson in it. It was like a direct ripoff of Wes Craven's Shocker. Oh. And, Shocker is uh, a great movie. It, it, it was actually, what was the name? Damn it. it! It had different title overseas, and and I guess just because the horror show, the horror show. Thank you, Mike. Um, but yeah, and just for marketing purposes, they changed it to House Three in the U.S. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't even a house movie then. No, was- no. But House Four actually did bring back William Cat in like a very brief cameo role. Uh, in it, but it just it wasn't good. <laughs> I can't I can't find them because Shutter won't put them on. Shutter has the first two, and uh, I can Screenbox don't have any of them, and I don't think Tubi does. Right? Yeah, time. just stop there. <laughs> you're you're good with the first two. Uh, four will be on Rabbit and Red TV tomorrow. Oh, oh, lucky me! Let me download the Rabbit and Red app right fucking now. <laughs> anyway, um. Somebody would, Ben. At least that'd be one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, your girlfriend, Krista, will download the Rabbit Yeah, uh, I'll guilt her into it just like I did the Patreon yeah. thing. You fucking tell her to do it. Did you threaten to leave her if she didn't become a Patreon of your network shows? No, but I'll keep that in mind. There you go. <clears throat> just tell her. You cut her off from the dick. Cut her off from the money flow. I know you're the one that's the breadwinner of the house, correct? Uh, no, she's a hard worker, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, if she's not going to watch this, you know, you don't have to be careful. You can just this, this, my luck, this would be the one time she would watch. Okay. She already was kidding with me whenever I uh, came down here to record. She's like, yeah, yeah, I know you're going to be down there talking shit. I might just watch tonight. You're on there. Because I, I actually made her, uh, we took a trip to uh, uh, Springfield, uh, Missouri here about a four hour trip and I, the whole way up there I made her listen to uh, uh, back episodes of uh, Tales from the Crips. Really? Oh yeah, and her listen to you. She's like, "This guy's fucking nuts." I said, "I know, Eddie. Great." Did you uh, did, did you make her listen to any of the ones that I said some socially unacceptable things in it? Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, um, you actually, she actually got uh, she actually got tears to her eyes uh, laughing so hard whenever uh, you made the spanking my crippled cock uh, comment. <laughs> that was great, perfect, man. Well, I'm glad I'm glad that you had her. You introduced her to my brand of entertainment. They got to break him in right. 
Who who knows? Maybe she will pay attention to this episode at some point. It's obviously going to be on. Yeah, minimum. I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, speaking of movies that you know change titles, not necessarily the script or to change titles, real quick because it was this was on my mind the other day. Um, are you a fan of uh, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive? It's called here in America, but it was originally called Brain Dead. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, I don't. Uh, I'm not crazy about it, but I mean, it, it was a fun uh, flick with a bunch of cool practical effects. Right. Yeah, I mean, and you're right, certain aspects of the movie don't hold up, but it's one of those movies that I wish, like, why don't we have a 4K scan of that movie? Why isn't it It's, it's like, fucking Peter Jackson, you know? <laughs> like, Everything he's done, you think, would be 4K, you know? Right. Mike, help me out here. Don't don't we have a uh, isn't isn't there a 4K of uh, or at least a Blu-ray of uh, Piranha Two: The Mutation? Uh, um, um, there is. Uh, Scream Factory put it out. Yeah. So why can't we get Dead Alive? Why can't we get Dead Alive? Right. Peter fucking Jackson. Um, rights issues, I think. Rights but he's issues. Working on it. He's working on it apparently, so we yeah. should. Get uh, the something. same reason we haven't got a Friday Thirteenth film in ten years. Great, that's wonderful. Well, oh well, it's 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 coming according uh, to. Yeah, it is coming. It's coming. coming. It's coming. I don't want to hold coming. my breath. It's coming because I'll be dead. Yeah, you're gonna. The only thing you're gonna die from is the stench of your mama's pussy, boy. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you're you're. Uh, don't remind me. <laughs> Um, that just took the fucking thought right out of my head. When I was <laughs> um, speaking of another movie that uh, people are polarized about, seems to be to this day, the horror fans, that is. And, you know, you're either on the far left or the far right on this uh, topic. But how do you feel about Jason Goes to Hell? I don't hate it. I don't. I don't like it, mind you, but I don't hate it like Friday fans. And I'm a Friday fan, but like most Friday fans hate it. I love it. I don't know why, because like, okay, I'm the type of horror fan I can accept if I know ahead of time something's going to be completely different. Um, I just shared it earlier on my Cross and the Streams page, but uh, Hellraiser Inferno is another uh, prime example of a movie that I fucking love. But it's it, not- that's the one they brought back the uh, the original Final Girl, right? No, Hellraiser yeah. Inferno is the very first direct-to-DVD Hellraiser. Oh, movie. okay, yeah. I've and, seen them all. Yeah, and it, it has Craig Schaefer in it, I think. Is yeah, yeah, movie. I remember that one, yeah. It, it was a completely movie. different uh, script, and they just kind of retrofitted it to be a uh, Hellraiser film. Well, see, I don't know about that, because I just read an article, that Bloody Disgusting article, where they said that... Uh, What's I'm sorry, goddamn. What was what's Scott Derrickson, the the director of Inferno, which he's known for supposedly the scariest movie on earth, which is Sinister. Which I guess I I think that's bullshit because I don't consider Sinister all that scary. But uh, you know, he's known now. He you know maybe not on a Ty West level, but he is you know he did the Black Phone, you know, and I like that mm-hmm. movie. But uh, I think his directorial debut was Hellraiser Inferno, and. <clears throat> Going into that movie, 
I just knew ahead of time it wasn't going to be a traditional Hellraiser movie. I, I knew I was going into something different. And I loved it. I loved it as a kid, and I love it as an adult now. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I, the, when I show my friends that movie or anybody that movie, the way I explain it to them, I was like, look, this is not a Hellraiser movie. Consider this like an original horror story featuring Hellraiser characters, the Cenobites, you know? That, and if you look at it like that, you could possibly enjoy that movie. Yeah, um... I, I remember being like, and I watched it right when it first dropped on uh, VHS. But uh, I remember just being kind of like middle of the road on it. Um, yeah. I didn't mind that it was different. But the same time, I mean, this was the time when Craig Sheffer, I mean, he was he was the direct becoming the direct video guy. Yeah. And, I mean, and I didn't I didn't have high hopes for anything that he was going to be in. And uh, what else notable was he in other than Nightbreed? Was that's what I was about to say, Nightbreed. That's yeah, and Nightbreed's great. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the difference is between the old regular theatrical version and the director's cut because director's cut's the only thing that seems to be available to watch now. So yeah, there's major differences. Like the director's cut is supposed to be the definitive way that the movie was made. Yeah, the uh there's well there's the director's cut and then there's the cabal cut and uh I don't know there might be another cut. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah I mean I, I remember liking the uh theatrical version as a kid. Other than that, I just remember Craig Schaefer and like random sci-fi television, made for television movies. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was in a movie. I think he was in a movie about killer bumblebees or something like that. I can't even remember. But he was in one of the recent seasons of American Horror Story. If you watch that show at all, uh, I haven't watched it in the the last few seasons. I think uh, 1984 was the last one I watched. Now this is the hot seat, and I told you I was going to ask you some hard hitting questions. I was Go for it. Throw one at you now. Is one of the reasons why you, you, you got sick of American Horror Stories because there's a little too much faggot-ass shit going on in that show every, se every season? No, no, I, I don't think that hurts the show at all. I mean, that show is inherently weird, and yeah. I like that about it. I, I will say, you know, all attempts at being offensive and all jokes aside, it doesn't bother me either. Um, fuck, the se first season of Chucky? Like, I, I didn't really care, like, because that was based around, a, you know, two 13-year-old boys falling in love with each other. And, uh, you know, when yeah. I first heard about it, when I first heard about it, it was like, eh, like, that sounds a little woke. Like, that sounds like it, it might. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost becoming desensitized to that kind of stuff anymore, though. I, with mainstream media, TV shows, movies, I expect to see it, that kind of stuff in there. So it doesn't really bother me anymore. I mean, it's just. They're like, okay, this is what they're trying to ram down our throats. You know, it's going to be there. Yeah, you know, might, hopefully, might, it do, hopefully, it doesn't take away from the. Uh, they don't focus so much on that it takes away from the show, the enjoyment, yeah. the enjoyment of the show. But we we might as well just enjoy sucking the proverbial cock that they're shoving down our throats. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Because I mean, it, it's it's a fad. It'll. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying homosexuality is a fad, but. But oh, them pushing it in mainstream media, uh, yeah, 
No, right I, now. homosexuality, it's not a fad. And they, that community should feel, the alphabet people should feel just as comfortable as the rest of us watching television and doing whatever they want in life. But I do agree that it's, it's the agenda. It's the current agenda to have as much diversity in anything and everything, whether it be, you know, black actors taking over roles of original white characters, which I still to this day will constantly say it fucking pisses me off. I don't know if you want to have a stance on that or not, but it's cool if you don't. Um, and there's, there's just, yeah, every character, no, excuse me, at least one character in every movie or TV show has to be gay now. And, um, you're right. And for the most part, it also doesn't bother me because it, I, I don't think it harps on it so much to where there's not a story there. Like in Chucky, it, there is that story there about the two boys, but it kind of fits within the world of Chucky because you look all the way back to Seed of Chucky in 2004, and that had some, you know, uh, you know, so some flirtation to with the gay community and whatnot because you know the, the the his child Glenn or Glenda didn't know if he wanted to be a boy or a girl or anything like well, that. Well, like we're saying, mainstream media they're they're going to try to appeal to as many groups as possible. Because they're trying to sell their shit. And I understand that. So, I guess this is as good a segue as any to talk about one of the subjects I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, You know, and and I think we'll both agree on this. You know, it doesn't matter if someone's gay or straight. It's I think it's all natural, like, as far as that goes. Like, you love who you love. You're attracted to who you're attracted to, whichever. And I... I personally, I've had friends that are straight, gay. I even have a transgender friend uh, who I'm very close with, who I hope to have on a future episode of uh, of, of this show. Um, but what I wanted to ask you was, what's your opinion? Like, because now we have, and I know it's not new, but now we have the non-binary uh, people, which you know they don't assign themselves with any uh, gender, and. Uh, you know what? Do you do you think that that is like the new normal, or do you think that that this is causing maybe an adverse, a long term adverse effect in our society, letting people think that they can pretend that they wasn't born what they were born as? Well, what's your what's your stance on this type of thing? Well, you know, I'm big on anybody. You know, as long as you're not hurting anybody and you're being a productive member of society, paying your taxes or whatever. Which I'm not. I mean, I'm paying my taxes, my property taxes, but I'm not being a productive citizen. I know what you're saying. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you do the show, man. How much more productive can a person be? Come on. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, as, as long as they're not getting special tax breaks or or basically pulling money out of the working class's pockets to be just because they are non-binary and they, you know, I, I don't think they deserve any special privileges. The rest of us don't get. That's a good take. Not quite my take, but that's a good take, Cody. Um, I, but I think it's oh no, 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 no. I think it's pretty fucking ridiculous, but you know, a lot of things I find ridiculous and a lot of people find me ridiculous. So, you know, that's fine. They, I can find them ridiculous. They can find me ridiculous. Right. They live their lives. I live my life. But don't try to force me to accept yeah. and, and to don't, – don't try to force me to pat you on the back for living your life the way you want to live it. 
Right. You know? And I think that's partly of why some people get annoyed with the way the narrative is in society and the media, social media, entertainment products is it does feel like it's, it's being forced on us. Like we better accept it. You just said it five minutes ago. It's co- what you come to expect now in any TV show or movie. But you know, if you fast uh, rewind 15 years ago or so, we none of that was expected. And if that all of a sudden got, you know, shoved into our favorite TV show, it would have pissed us all off and anno- or annoyed us at the very least. Let's be honest about that. Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, annoyed. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. It wouldn't have pissed me off, but it would have definitely annoyed me. I will say, because what year did American Horror Story start? I think that was 2011. And from the very first season, that was super progressive in the sense that it would would openly show homoerotic stuff and and all that stuff. And I remember not being bothered by it, but I also didn't think it was going to become a huge Yeah, trend. well, after like the first four or five seasons, I'm like, okay, I get it. They they have the the creators that they have a thing for this, they have to have yeah, homoerotic content. In every season, in some form, like fine, you know, if that's their thing, that's how they want to ride it. You know, if, if I get to where I don't find it in inter- anything on the show entertaining, I'll quit watching it. But uh, yeah, like I said, I didn't think most of the time. I don't think it helped or took away from uh, the show. But, uh, yeah. but like you said, it's it's just you know, and I understand that they're like, hey, we're. We're here. We're going to be respected. Damn it. Regardless. <laughs> and, uh, you know, fine. I, 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 but, you know, Hollywood does not realize this is, the majority of us don't give a shit. Right. You know, fine. Do your thing. Live your life. You know. The thing is, I don't even think that the, either the black community or even the alphabet people care much if they're properly represented in the movies. And the t- like, I was just talking to Berlia the other day, and she said that her one of her mother's favorite movies, uh, growing up was The Little Mermaid. And I was all like, "What? Little Mermaid? The original one was white. How would your mother be able to enjoy that?" And she said, "She's like, oh, we didn't care about that bullshit back then." You know, and that me and Berlia talk about this all the time. And I don't think I could ever get her comfortable enough to come on to the show and talk about it. But she agrees with me on this whole like, even the black community it whines and cries too much about black lives matters and you know, respect us no matter what. And, and she agrees with me, like, it, respect is earned, you know. You know, so, and it seems like that is so much bigger an issue in urban environments. I mean, I grew up in a little tiny town, like population 2000 people. And they always taught, you know, that's mainstream media. Oh, rural America is just is the Southern rural, rural America is just full of bigots and racists and they're uneducated and inbred and morons. And they hate anybody that's not white and male. And, uh, and that's just not the case. I mean, <laughs> I just, I appreciate a good story for original characters. Like, I love the old school Eddie Murphy movies. And I, yeah. growing, up, growing up and still to this day, I never looked at him and thought, 
should I not like this because he's black? Exactly, exactly. You know, that, and from my earliest years, I mean, I grew up on a cattle ranch in in the South. And, you know, by all rights, you know, according to the stereotype. You should I, be racist. Why the fuck yes. are you racist? I should be fucking my sister and be a racist. You know? is, Chris, is Krista your sister? Krista is my sister. Damn it. I was afraid you were going to ask that. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Yeah, the, Damn the, you, Cody. The last name Lacey is fake. It's uh, Her name's Krista Robinson. Not because you're married. She, she'd like it to be. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, no. I mean, that's a thing, like... And, and then if you say something like this to the wrong black person, that's a BLM tard, as I'll call them. And BLM tards can Fair be enough. white, black, white, black or other color. It doesn't fucking matter. I've actually run into way more white people BLM tards than even black people. It seems to be all the black people that I've become acquainted with and friends with over the years have are the down-to-earth ones. And it's the white people that think that they need to be the white knights for the black community. And if you think about it, isn't that cultural appropriation? Like, isn't that offensive? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The black community can't stick up for themselves. So I'm going to do it for them. You're basically. They're they're saying, yeah, they're they're too dumb to stick up for themselves. So we're going to stick up for them. Right. And I truly believe I might be wrong, but I truly believe that most black people don't want white people sticking up for them. They just want us to show them common courtesy and respect. And I do 100 percent. You know, I'm I do. uh, I'm a maintenance. Excuse me. uh, A maintenance man for three residential care facilities. Two of them uh, take care of uh, the mentally handicapped and the same. The same, the same thing. the The majority that the, they just want to be treated like normal people. They don't want to be treated like they don't want to be treated like they're retarded. They don't want to just like African Americans or any other minority or us as Caucasians uh, or Heinz Fifty Sevens like myself that uh, uh, are mixed with so many different minorities it doesn't fucking matter anyway people just want to be treated like human beings mm-hmm. uh, for the and, most and part and, and and the fact that we're still in the 21st century we're still bringing race into the equation is just mind-boggling to me i, I would argue and again i I, I know black people who are my age older somewhere around your age who would agree with me on this i would argue that in the 90s and the 2000s, the early 2000s, all the way up to the early 2010s, race almost became a complete non-issue. Almost. Because yeah, and then uh, and then somebody got elected president. What is the name? Uh, uh, Rock Borama or something oh, like that? Uh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. And, and suddenly, suddenly race became an issue again. The... Uh, law enforcement became the snidely whiplash, uh, you know, uh, villainous uh, people. And, uh, you know, it, it, it all, I mean, right around that time period, it's quite a coincidence. Mm-hmm. I will say, I, cause, and again, I'm not on either side of political views. Like, I, I like certain things about certain sides, and I hate certain things about other sides. Like, like sure. it's, you know, I don't give a fuck. But um, 
you know, Barack Obama, he, whenever he spoke, he, it's like he was cutting a wrestling promo. So, and, and, you know, he did have suave to him, but I will agree that like, I don't think it was intentional, I, but I think that, yeah, I think his presidency, it, it did originally cause that turmoil and it caused that stir in people. And then to be completely honest, I don't think it helped when Donald Trump became president in 2016. I think it just, it stirred the pot the other way and, and then it yeah. pissed off other people. And then it, here we are today. And now we yeah. have, you know, now you don't just have male and female, you have 50 other different genders and you have, uh, you know, uh, no lives matter until black lives matter. You know, and it's, it, I'm just glad that the handicapped community isn't in the spotlight. I'd be so fucking annoyed. Yeah. Like there was a give it time. Give it time. Yeah. I'd be so annoyed if there's a goddamn handicapped character in every fucking movie or TV show. Could you imagine that? That'd be way more annoying. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, um, no, I just, yeah, uh, like family guy. What if they had a guy in a wheelchair on there or something? That'd be crazy. Do they? <laughs> yes, Joe. Um, I, I don't guy. watch Family Guy. I don't watch it. So I Oh, don't my know. God. Yeah, no, I don't. Like, what, you think I watch King of the Hill, too? I've seen, like, maybe two or three episodes of King of the Hill, which I loved, but I've never got into the show. I don't know what it is, but, like, scripted TV, like, uh, comedy, scripted comedy, sometimes doesn't do it for me. Because, like, in the back of my mind, I just have it in my head that, like, they're trying too hard. Um, you know, when I was growing up, there were some South Park episodes that was funny. Um, you know, Beavis and Butthead had some funny stuff, but I haven't, I haven't checked out the new season or the, even the new movie on Paramount Plus. And I know producer Mike wants to jump in and get on my case again about not doing that, but I haven't I, either. Uh, I'd like to, I wasn't a big fan of Beavis and Butthead back in the day, honestly. Right. Um, I don't know what it was. I mean, I didn't hate it. I just, it was just another one of those late nineties adult theme cartoon shows. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember I really liked, I enjoyed the animated TV shows that had a purpose. It felt like it had a purpose, like, you know, like X-Men and Batman, the animated series. And I really got into Batman Beyond because I think, you know, Batman Beyond started in the early 2000s. And then that I was going into my teens and in the <laughs> early 2000s, you know what I mean? I was in my teens. So I felt like I was right there with that you know, to, with those characters, you know what I mean? And that age group or whatever. And I, I re just recently rewatched both the Batman animated series and Batman beyond. I watched them both with Berlia a couple of years ago and they, they hold up very well. So I think when it comes to animation, I'd much more rather have action or violence and gore. I like some anime, but again, it has to be like horror anime, but for some, well, yeah, that, I, well, that was pretty much all there was whenever I was a teenager was, or at least all you get in the States was uh, like Vampire Hunter D and uh, Tank Police and shit like that. They play a lot of that on sci edited, of course, on Sci-Fi mm -hmm. Channel back then. And uh, yeah. But it's, the, I yeah, it was still like these, like in the comic books, you know, these big boobed uh, characters. <laughs> I remember it was called Anna Mondays or something like that. It was it something was on, like that. Yeah. Sci-Fi and Chiller. Do you remember Chiller? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I much more liked Fearnet more than Chiller. I don't know if you ever checked out Fearnet. Uh, just for Holliston, I was a huge Holliston fan. 
I loved Hollis. It's so such a goddamn shame the way season two. Oh man, the way it ended, and I just watched it with a buddy of mine who's uh, who uh, watched it with me back in the day and was a big fan too. And it just sucks when you watch that uh, that season two finale uh, because, in all honesty, we're probably never going to get a season three. No, we're not. And even if we do, it's not going to feel right because it's no, they're like 10 years old the guys are in their mid forties now, mid late forties. And it's just, yeah. it's not going to be the same. It's not. And God damn it. Or you know what it, they, and I remember I just heard like an interview with Bruce Campbell a few weeks ago. Like, cause the, the other route that you could take is finishing up a storyline with an animated movie. They did that with Todd in the book of pure evil. If you ever heard of that show. Uh, I have, I haven't watched it though. I didn't know that they did a uh, animated movie to wrap it up. They did. Yeah. Well, hey, as long as you, get, uh, I, I, I still boycott stars for uh, uh, canceling Ash versus Evil Dead. I was so pissed. I know. about that. And, and you know uh, what? The way that season finale or the series finale, the season three finale, it was perfect up until the last two minutes. They should have shot an alternate ending. It was perfect yeah. up until after he passed out from beating that Kandarian dragon or whatever the fuck that was. Um, they, yeah. He died. Uh, you should have just filmed Ash. Maybe just show like an animated scene where his heart stopped beating, and that that could have been the end of it. You know what I mean? They could have done an alternate scene after they found out that, or no, they could have done it. They could have filmed it when they were filming the actual ending, but saved it to find out if Stars was going to cancel him or not. Because well, they already knew the ratings with the third season. They already knew that they were going to be borderline on being canceled. After yeah. the season, because and not because people didn't love the show, it it was one of the most pirated uh, series in in uh, streaming history. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you would have thought they were uh, Sam Raimi and and uh, their creative team would have been like, okay, we we need to make this to where, in case this is in, let's wrap things up, but we'll leave it open. But uh, and they sort of did, but I just didn't like the way they did it with the whole futuristic thing. But I I loved so much the way that he made the crew think that he was going to get into the back of the truck with them, and then he slammed the door behind him and said his goodbye. Man, that was an emotional scene. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a perfect send off. And then the the battle, like which fit Ash perfectly, because he finally became the hero, the gutsy hero that everyone wanted him to be. Like it was perfect up until yeah, the futuristic jump forward and all that. And it, yeah, it, it's frustrating. But he, yeah. Bruce Campbell was saying that he'd be more than willing to do a voiceover for an animated film to to wrap up, you know, the uh, the story of all. Yeah, that. I mean. It- He's 62, 63 now, uh, I think. And, you know, let's face it, he's not Stallone. He can't, probably in in all reality, I mean, he's not going to be able to do the stuff that he did in the uh, 80s and 90s. uh. Yeah. And, I mean, and and how, like, even in 2015 when the show started, I I was blown away that he... I mean, it was Ash, but it was like a reinvented Ash. I think he's funnier as old man Ash than he even was. And oh yeah, it, it fits the character so much better, you know. Where he's, you know, he, he he's older, so you don't 
really take him as seriously, and a, a character that's not meant to be taken seriously in the first place. And uh, right, and yeah, I just love that series from the first episode, and I, I loved all three seasons, and I was so fucking bummed when they uh, canceled it. Um, and yeah, and as far as Holliston goes, it would be very fitting if they did an animated like short film or animated feature film because one of the episodes. Yeah. One of the whole episodes in the second season was... Uh, yeah, it was animated, yeah. And it was great. I loved it. Um, there is there is one episode in that series, though, that is so outdated and awkward now, and that is the episode where he thinks that young girl is a fucking adult, and they start dating. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, um, shit, what's her name? Uh, I forgot. They have a pretty big career. Um I forgot what her name was. Mike, she if you was in uh, the Strangers too. Uh, Strangers Pray at Night. She was oh, the uh, okay. that. Market Basket. Market yeah. Basket. Thank you, Paul. And you know what? Like, it's so funny because back when I was watching, because I, I was watching Holliston as it was airing on FearNet. I had the FearNet channel, luckily, so I was watching it. I um, didn't. I, 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 the well, the first season was. Just in it, well, I think it just come out on DVD, and the second season was about to start. And I saw the DVD, and it was, uh, I saw the cover, and I was like, "What the hell?" You know, it's got D. Snyder in it, and and I was already aware of the Hatchet films, uh, or at least the first couple were out then. And um, so, of course, I snatched it up and watched it. And then, as the only way I could watch the uh, the second season was going online to FearNet.com. Which, what a stupid name for a television network. Fear, fear net. You know, you, it sounds like a fucking website, you know. That's what I thought it was at first. I but, said, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I found, I found it and I had to watch the whole second season as it aired on online. But, I mean, it. I never missed an episode. I, I, I can't, I don't think I said this on an episode of one of my shows yet. But I, I definitely told Mike this before. But uh, fear net as a concept was great it just yeah. came too early in in time you know what i mean like a little too early early in the uh, streaming era yeah yes way too early because i think fearnet as a concept as a company started i think in 06 i think and it was originally just a website where you just go to the website and watch free horror movies that's what it was and then it became an on-demand channel and then they launched their linear channel and yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you think if it would have launched maybe five years, five, six years later, that it would have been the uh, the new, it would have been Shudder? Yes. I, I knew you were going to say that. And because if you really think about it, what's the differences between FearNet back then and Shudder now? Other than the fact that Shudder is backed by AMC, which Shudder's the almighty of a horror streaming service and yes, never go. I agree. Away. Uh, but what, what, right. What, there's so many similarities and there's not too many differences, but yeah, just, just imagine if Holliston would have launched on shutter. We yeah. probably, we'd probably be like in episode or season 10 of Holliston now. Yeah. And God damn. And that, that's what I was thinking too, because I don't think I can't remember if if Fearnet had any other original series other than Holliston. I don't think they did. No, that was it. And because they, they weren't set up to have, or uh, I've heard Admiral talk about in interviews that it wasn't set up to have any original programming. Just the uh, 
the CEO of uh, Fearnet like he was friends with Adam Green. And he he liked the concept for the show so much that in uh, Adam Green's movie uh, Coffee and Donuts that Holston's based on, he liked it so much. He's like, okay, <coughs> I'm gonna pull this money from all of our different departments uh, here just to give you your funding. And, and they did that show for a million dollars a season. Wow. Which is unheard of for episodic television. Yeah, because what? Usually, like, episodic television. Like million, dollar, mil, million dollars an episode. And that's, yeah, that's a million. for, like, network television, even. Right. I know this is going to be a terrible fucking example, but this should just be a testament that I don't fucking judge TV shows based off of it's a black or gay or woman character. I loved Supergirl. I know people fucking will poke fun at me for that, but that series, not the whole, like, it kind of got shitty after maybe the fourth or fifth season, but all shows are like that. But Supergirl, I think even that series, uh, each episode was supposed to be like around three million per episode or whatever. But then again, Holliston was supposed to mimic a on-set, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't really need that big of a budget. Um yeah, and that's man. the bad part. They still, Adam Green said, they still have, he owns all the rights to it. They still have all the set sets and storage. You know, they just can't get that little bit. Well, I say a little bit, million. Well, a million dollars isn't what it used to be, but they can't get somebody as successful as his most of his films have been, just based on the Hatchet series. You know, which are low-budget films themselves, but they've made multiple times their budget. You know, you'd think somebody would be like, okay, he already had two seasons of this. The horror fans seem to embrace it. Let's uh, let's pitch a little cash at it, because there's no way we're going to lose money on this. Yeah. But no. Yeah. It's, it's just like you get into these movies, you know, one-off films we've got that, should have got in the last 20 years that by all rights should have got a sequel and didn't where you, when you have tons of other sequels to movies that you wouldn't think deserve uh, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie, Ver- Leslie Vernon, for God's sake, you know, why Tuckerdale versus evil? Why, why has nobody put up? Why has no investor said, I Hey, was- you know, I think I could make money off, financing a sequel to this but I they're doing know. these they're doing sequels to these fucking shitty yeah uh the equivalent of direct to video movies that that are have a budget as big or bigger than it would take to make a sequel to one of these film beloved films that horror fans want to see uh, it's tell, infuriating yeah. <laughs> i will tell you i um tucker and dale versus evil that movie was lightning in a bottle and, and like, yeah. I don't know if they did make a sequel, would we have liked it? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, have you ever wondered that? Like, man, maybe they wouldn't have been able to capture, recapture that lightning in a bottle. I, I'd like to see him try. I'd like to see him try. I'll say that. Uh, I just, will agree with you because like, just because, as you know, we were just talking about with House, you know, three and four are, aren't, you know, looked at as too good, but people like one and two. I like just one. Uh, I guess maybe Wishmaster would be another good franchise. Like everyone loves the original, I think. 
and well, never, most people like the original. And then two is yeah. Okay. I thought I thought it was I thought the original was okay. I, yeah. I was kind of underwhelmed by it, but it was direct video. I think I think it was direct video. The first one. Yeah. Did it get no. theatrical? No, it got to theatrical because I wouldn't see it in the theaters. Oh, okay. It was just, but it's just the first one that's theatrical. The second one was direct to DVD. But I will say the second one was not terrible in my opinion because they kept the same guy, Andrew Divoff, I think his name was, yeah, or, or something like that. Um, so it did have that same flair in a weird kind of way as the first one, but it definitely felt direct to video style. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like for a while, I missed channels like FearNet and Chiller. I did like Chiller. Ch- Chiller didn't... A lot e- even of- though it was edited to shit and they cut all the shit, I, well, I, it holds a special place in my heart because that that was where I uh, discovered Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3, which yeah. are... And, and growing up a horror fan and in the, in the 90s, I thought, you know, I, I sought out as a teenager all the horror... I could find in the little two mom and pop video stores in my small town. And I really thought I'd saw all of the great eighties, uh, horror films. And until the internet age and podcast mainly, uh, until I discovered podcast in, in 2012, which was also when I discovered, uh, sleepaway camp two and three while cruising through chiller. Uh, it, you know, that until then I, I really thought I had just about seen it all. And then I run across these two films and and it just kind of reignited my love for the for the genre and and made me realize hey you know i'm gonna i'm gonna see if i can search up some other good hidden treasures that i haven't found and uh and that's when i run across uh mike and uh alex and dan on the skeleton crew uh they'd just been doing it for a few months at the time and uh and it just so happened because i searched uh for a Google search sleepaway camp sequels and uh, and they had just put out their sleepaway camp retrospective like the day before and uh, ever since you know I've been an avid podcast listener right um man chiller and it's so weird because like fearnet was more of the cooler kid in school like as far as horror fans goes because it was I I feel like it was uncensored on demand and on their website but on on their linear channel it wasn't which is weird but as a as a channel fearnet wasn't that great because all they were doing was just replaying the same six to eight movies for a whole month and you know what i mean and just at different time slots and then they would change out three or four of them the next month i know because i would plant myself on the channel you know when i first got it because it's like oh this channel is for me well, uh, adam adam greens even said you know they they didn't have the the state the uh, channel didn't they had just a micro budget for a yeah. uh, television channel and, it, and it, he said it's just a small miracle they were able to pull together the money to uh from the two seasons of uh, Holliston. Right. Um, but then you look at Chiller and that channel, it, yes, it was edited, but that was pretty much the only thing you, bad you could say about it, other than the fact that it had commercials, but it was a television channel. All television channels have commercials, unless it's like HBO. But uh, it felt more like a channel, like a real yeah. 
it, it, you know, you had TV series, you had movies, and I agree with you. It also introduced me to some movies I had never seen. I watched a movie on there for the first time, time called The Mad. That's with Billy Zane in it. It's like a zombie comedy. Have you ever heard of that one? No, no, I haven't. Yeah, it's just called The Mad, I think. It's yeah, Billy Zane. But yeah, it, it, that's just one of the examples. I watched, um, oh my God, what's that? movie with jeffrey combs in it it's like reversal of reanimator help me out mike do you know that movie the movie that's a reverse it's like it's it's basically reanimator but it's reversed it's a movie that's reversed god damn it and it it, it, it jeffrey combs is that he's fucking crazy in that oh i think it's called from beyond oh yeah yeah from beyond yeah yeah, that yeah movie- he has like the pituitary gland coming out of his head yeah and it's like what the fuck? That's, Crazy shit. That's mirror mode version. That's mirror mode of Reanimator. That's all that movie is essentially, because the roles but are. It, it was a Stuart Gordon film, film too, I think. Yeah, I think so. But um, yeah. So the channel introduced me to that movie and introduced me to all kinds of great shit. But what I am thankful the most. What the oh, fuck was that? I good thing we didn't see his penis or anything. I don't was know. he like raking up a line there? It, it, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Look like he's like he had his hood on. Yeah, he had his hood hey, on. Like, I play know. clip. That's what he does. He, he snorts a line. He goes. <laughs> that's that's what he does. That's the real reason Mike laughs the way he laughs. Um, but no, I, what I am thankful for the most from the Chiller Network is the series that it introduced me to. I got introduced to monsters through that. Oh, really? You got yeah. introduced to monsters? See, and, and going back again to my childhood, um, we were poor country folk, so we didn't have, uh, well, Dish Network and stuff wasn't around then, but back then you had, people had, I don't know. You're old enough to remember they had the fucking huge satellite dishes. So I'm talking like the ginormous motherfuckers that looked like you in arrival. You know, you're fucking yeah. contacting people in another galaxy. Yeah, but we were poor. Uh, most of these satellite uh, had they had ele- an electric motor on them that would adjust their direction, so you could catch the different channels, the different feeds from east to uh, west coast. And, uh, but we were poor, so we bought one used. And, uh, my grandmother, God love her, if, if any universal horror movie or something was going to be on that I wanted to watch, she'd look in the TV guide and, and she had it marked on this slide bar for this, uh, for this, uh, satellite dish. And she'd go out there and it didn't matter if it was in the middle of the night or, uh, storming, snowing. She'd go out there, this little, Five foot two lady will go out there cranking on this satellite dish to adjust it so I could watch uh, uh, this movie or so she could record it for me on her on uh, VHS. Right. Yeah, man. Fucking. I thankfully I never had to deal with satellite television. God, well, was- I'm sorry. I got sidetracked, but that's where I uh, was introduced to monsters. I'd always catch it on the East and West Coast feed of the morning, uh, waiting. Uh, to go to school uh, before school, I'd be eating cereal, and it, it would come on in the mornings there for several years. Whenever they were 
doing the transfer of feeds. Yeah, that, that, that and married with children. Oh, that that's one show that didn't show up on Chiller. Probably should have because it's scary when you're married with children. Anyway, um, real quick here, I want to acknowledge that we got our good buddy Paul, the Grandpa Nerd, in our yes, chat. Yes, yes, I. Yeah, market basket. And he, he uh, definitely says, thanks to the almighty cripple, he started watching Screenbox nonstop all week. What kind of what movies have you watched so far, Paul? I'd like to uh, know that. I'll, I'll shout it out in the chat if you respond. But like he said, Monsters and Tales from the Dark Side were his favorite. Yeah. I agree with that because here's the thing. By the time Chiller came out as a, as a television network, I already owned most of the seasons of Tales from the Crypt. So... I wasn't. I didn't really care to wake up early to watch, you know, Tales from the Crypt reruns. But I would wake up early to watch Monsters and on and Tales from the Dark Side. Well, I, I absolutely would because my uh, grandparents they wouldn't let me watch uh, mainstream horror whenever uh, whenever I was a small child, understandably. But Scooby Doo and the Universal Monsters uh, and uh, monsters and tales from the dark side because i guess because they were television series and they thought that made them okay because they wouldn't show anything bad on television um Mm -hmm. that that that's what i cut my teeth on horror with and uh and it was great i'm glad i did because i uh, you know when i think about it going back if i would have been able to watch uh you know 80s horror growing up during the eighties, I probably wouldn't have the appreciation I do for the, uh, universal films now. Right. Right. Or Scooby-Doo. Right. I definitely, I mean, when I was a kid, I definitely also watched Scooby-Doo, but I grew out of it for some reason. I don't know why, but I, I mean, I still to this day love the real Ghostbusters. I, I think that is still a top tier. The first couple seasons were, I mean, Oh yeah. They couldn't, they could have easily been another for, uh, you know, Rescripted into another, uh, you know, a live action series or another film. Oh yeah, I mean, and I when I say the real Ghostbusters, yeah, I mean the just the seventy eight episodes of before the cast changed. Then yeah, then then Mike would have got his finally got his fucking beloved helper Slimer on uh, uh, the right. uh, real stage, right? Um, but yeah. You, I'm breaking in here because I have to say something, and I know that I don't know who watches or listens to Rabbit and Red here, but I have to I have to mention this because you brought up Ghostbusters. So I have a beef with Ivan Reitman. Cody, we all we have a beef with Ivan Reitman. So you okay? So you so you know? Okay, I don't th- I don't think the cripple knows yet, but he's gonna know now. You know he's still dead, Mike. I understand that. And you know he but, died like two weeks after you wished him dead for the first time on Rabbit and Red. Well, I know that, but see now 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 I I wish him dead more so. I wish him dead again. If, what if what has he done since he died to this point that he's, would make you wish him dead more so? Please please he's, elaborate. He's he's done nothing since he died. It's what he did. Well, uh, apparently, yes, apparently it's, that that's it's, quite obvious. It's it's what he did in 1989 that tells you know that 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 he can't fix because he's dead because he decided 
to cut a slime oh, machine for out of Ghostbusters 2. Didn't we, hear this, didn't we hear this on your mindfuck episode of 9-11 no. Conspiracies? We, I think I heard This is why I turned that oh, episode yeah. off. That, that's right. That's probably, you, you did hear it there. Oh, yeah. I forgot. You did hear it there. Yeah, okay. that's why I turned it off. Get off my fucking screen. <laughs> Motherfucker. Nobody gives a shit about your little grudge against the Ivan Reitman. Motherfuck. Anyway, <laughs> god damn it. He just repeats himself on the same shit every episode. Ain't no yeah. wonder. Ain't no wonder this fucking hey, network. I'm just glad he hadn't been playing the fucking same clips over and over again on this episode. I'm Yeah, and now he will. He'll he'll because, do Because because if if we were to tell Mike that you can't play the same clip over and over again on your network, mister, he'd say <laughs> He's not gonna do it now. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I know there hasn't been much yet tonight, and we're over an hour in. Oh Christ. But I anyway, do that, but I don't have that one in this studio, so I don't have it to play. Alright, well, away, Mike. At least it was a good old hell yeah, Cody Robinson style, one time. Is it coming? Hell yeah. There it is. Tiny, tiny. <laughs> yeah, I, that's my favorite Cody Robinson uh, line right there. Tiny, heinies. Anyway, yeah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I do, and I'm not gonna. I, I was listening to an episode, and you said that, and I laughed my fucking ass off. And I caught, I got a hold of Mike. And I said, we got to get that. We got You got to clip that. Just that, those two words. And he told me, he said, oh, I don't know. I got to clip it right because he might get angry. How, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I ain't going to. We'll tell you. But, well, I'll tell you after we go off the air. You don't want me to remind you of that sentence on, on the show. Anyway. <laughs> um, Man, that's great. So you you had, growing up, you had a a bond with your family, like your grandma and you guys would watch movies together. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, like I said, she'd take me to the, uh, to the theater at least once a month. And, uh, and, uh, from like 1986, we got our first VCR and she, uh, became a member of Columbia house video, uh, six movies for a penny. Uh, and, uh, God damn, that's, that's a hell of a deal. Oh, yeah, but, and then they'd send you a new movie every month uh, besides the ones you ordered, and if you didn't want it, you had to put Return to Sender. It was a huge pain in the ass, but uh, but she had just an extensive, and still still has. They, they haven't watched uh, VHS. Uh, thank goodness uh, both my grandparents are still with us. They're in their mid-'80s now, but, uh, oh, really? but uh, they haven't watched one of their VHSs, but she has, like, over 500 VHSs, and it, it's all... All 80s and early 90s movies. You, uh, you and your family still live with your grandpa? <laughs> no. No, they live a few miles up the road, though. I mean, I, oh. I still see him pretty often. Uh, oh, good, good, good. That's awesome, man. I'm glad that you, your grandparents are still alive. Yeah, yeah, they're the best. But, uh, but yeah, of, they... Out of all my your grandmother... Family, out of all your uh, family members, you probably have the closest connection with, with your grandma, probably, right? Uh, well, both my grandparents, they, they re like I said, they really were the best. Uh, oh, well, still are, but, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, my grandmother, th that was a very special, special bond getting to, uh, you know, it just gave me my love for film and TV and, 
I mean, mainly film growing up, because getting to see all those great 80s movies and, and on either at the theater or on VHS, because, I mean, she she was one of those that would, at our two little local mom-and-pop video stores, if she knew a movie was coming out uh, that she wanted to see, she uh, if, if it didn't come to one of our uh, two little theaters that were in the next city over... Uh, she would find out whenever whenever it was coming on coming out on VHS, which that was usually back in the eighties and early nineties. It was like at least a year turnaround before from the time a movie premiered theatrically before it would come out on video. So yeah. she'd be yeah. waiting, and she would reserve the copy so that the day it come in, we'd uh, we'd watch it. I mean, I remember so many great movies like Goonies, Cliffhanger, um, just just tons of uh, great. 80s and early 90s movies that um, that I got to see just because she uh, was always such a big movie fan. She wasn't big into horror. She didn't like horror, but but she knew I did, and so she would seek out anything that I was wanting to see. Pretty much. Was there was there ever anything that your grandma got into the house into the VHS player, and then it was like, "Holy shit, I gotta turn it!" Like awkward movies. Like, was there anything that? Ever anything to share? Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, a few because uh, like when I was when I was thirteen, they finally said to hell with it. You know, if you don't watch, if if we don't let you watch these movies, these eighties and nineties, you know, uh, rated R horror films, you're just gonna watch them with your friends anyway. So go ahead and have at it. And yeah, there were several. There were several, which which my grandfather, uh, my grandmother would usually go to bed early, and my grandfather would sit up in the living room, sitting in his recliner, and uh, he'd watch them with me. And he he'd always sometimes he'd covered his eyes when we were watching eighty slashers. He's he's like, it don't bother me until they start doing all the cutting, you know. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, I I thought maybe you meant like when the nudity happens, like oh god, I can't look at this. My wife will be no, no, with my grandmother in the room. One that really stuck out to me was um, Prom Night Three, I think. The um, and that had some pretty uh, racy scenes in it, and and I remember my grandmother. She she always they they had a huge living room, and she'd always sit over at her desk on the other side of the living room, uh, where you couldn't even hardly see the TV. But I I remember her saying at one point during Prom Night Three, she was like. That that's that's really inappropriate. <laughs> well, well, I've never seen that movie. What was was happening in the scene? Oh, uh, the one where the ghost is fucking the teenager in it. Uh, oh, uh, Julie Strain. I think it was Julie Strain played uh, Mary Lou in Prom Night Three because uh, she, she played Angela in the uh, in the two uh, Night of the Demon sequels too. Night of the Demons. I always get that and demons mixed up. Demons. Demons were- was the Italian one. Uh, the Dario, or yeah, Dario Argento, or was it Baba? I don't remember. I thought that was Mario. Ba- yeah, I don't know, but Demons was the movie theater one. Demons two What's, was the yeah, I re- the yeah, the apartment complex. I, I like both of those too. Yeah. Um, um <laughs> that's so fun. I um. I've all like, and I always would go to the video store because when I was a kid, we had this video store, and this is how like my parents first got me into horror because when I was a kid, we'd go to this video store, 
and you could either rent the brand new theatrical new releases for, you know, 12 to $15, or you could rent a fucking horror movie for 99 cents. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that's how it started is, you know, well, you know, cause my parents were always cheap asses. So, you know, they would start me off with horror movies. And then I got it. I got into horror movies. After yeah. That. I never let it go. Like, uh, throughout my childhood and teenagehood and all that, like I, there were some movies of other genres that I really like, like uh, Escape from New York and Escape Escape from L.A. comes to mind. And when yeah. Comes- okay. Uh, do you are are you an apologist for Escape from L.A. Because I know that movie is like universally hated. Okay. And I dug it. I like it. I, I'm one of the very few. I I enjoy it more than Escape from New York. I, I said it. Okay, so I saw Escape from L.A. first. Me too. And, and and I grew such an attachment to that film that I, I didn't actually I didn't actually watch. It's so funny because I watched Escape from New York for the very first time on Fearnet. So that's one of the movies that I watched for the first time on Fearnet, and I liked it. I could definitely tell that. New York had a bigger budget and better, you know, cinematography and better production value and all that. Like New York looks like a better movie, but I, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. I the, the faster paced music score and Escape from L.A. is way better to me than the slower acoustic version in New York. Um, I don't know. I, I like I like Escape from L.A. That's well, and by the time Escape from L.A. came out, I mean. Kurt Russell was just becoming a household name in the early 80s, a big household name. He was just making that transition from Disney kid to mainstream actor, you know, action star. And then he was firmly established at that by the time Escape from L.A. came out. And and I recognize, like, it's a guy from Tango and Cash and all these other action flicks from the... uh, from the eighties. Um, so, you know, I, I was totally on board for it and, uh, and I haven't watched it in years, but I I've seen it several times and I've always really enjoyed it. He looks way better as snake Plissken in LA than, than, than he did in New York. Cause I yeah, think- he, in New York, he kind of looked a little, he kind of looked too much like a kid. He looked yeah. a little too young. He looked like a cosplayer almost in New York. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't look like a grizz- grizzled veteran, you know? What? Okay, uh, you know what? You don't need to hijack my show, producer Mike. Go back to snorting your cocaine off your mama. Yeah, we know Donald wasn't in L.A., but it, but it had the the villain in uh, Escape from L.A. was actually a real murderer. So what? Yeah, it was um shit. What's his name that killed his wife? The actor uh, Little Beaver. Come on, help me here, Mike. Help us, Mike, because I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Richard Blake. <laughs> he's too Richard busy. Blake, yeah. He's too busy getting his his cocaine high at the moment. He ain't gonna come in. He's he's got getting his cocaine high and popping in. Uh, Escape from New York. Yeah. Yeah. Let us let it be known to all of our Robin Red listeners and viewers. Producer Mike snorts cocaine more than likely. We hope it's cocaine. God, hopefully it's not meth. <laughs> that would explain a lot about this network, though. If it was meth. Yeah. It's basically basic mathematics to Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, man, and that's the thing, like, I, 
there were a few movies here and there that was outside of the horror genre. I'm trying to, I mean, my mind is drawing a blank at the moment of what else I like outside of horror uh, when I was growing up. You know, do you consider Ghostbusters horror? Because I really don't. No. I, it's a comedy with horror elements. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. That was one of a that was one of the six movies for uh, Penny. Uh, the initial uh, out of the five hundred, that was one of the first ones, and uh, and uh, they actually still have it. And it's the first edition one, uh, VHS, the one that folds out from the side instead of the tape sliding out the bottom. Oh, I prefer those boxes. But I've uh, I've I, I don't know. Well, besides. Aside from VHS mold and everything, I probably have worn that VHS out. I mean, I, I went for like a couple of years where I would watch that movie almost every day. Right, right. I did. I definitely had some movies that I did that with. Uh, Freddy versus Jason was one of those movies that when it came out on DVD, I also I watched it every fucking day for almost a year after it came out. Now, now did you love that movie from the start, from the first viewing? Yes, because, okay, well, I, I, how old was I when it came out? It came out in 03, so I think I was mm-hmm. like 15, 15, 16. And I was already a huge wrestling fan by that point. I was already well-versed in both the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and the Friday the 13th franchise. So I felt, as a teenager, that movie catered to what I wanted because it was silly, it was over the top, it was cheesy. Yeah. It had blood score. That's see, that's the movie that introduced me to the concept that in in a movie world, the human body can have ten thousand gallons of blood in it. Blood, and it, yeah. And I, you know, I, I wasn't. Uh, whenever I heard the movie was coming around and heard Ronnie U was directing it, directing it, I, I'd really enjoyed Bride of Chucky. It came out, I think, when I was eighteen, and uh, I went to the theater it, it, back in the day. If I liked a movie, I'd go to the theater and watch it three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least three times. Like Halloween H2O, oh my God, that was my first Halloween movie in the uh, theaters, and I, I went to see it for the first time on my another 18th ha- birthday. Another Halloween movie that does not have Donald Pleasance in it, thank the fuck Christ. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I watched it ten times at the theater, and uh, that that was pretty crazy. It only played for two weeks at uh, our local theater, Uh but uh, you saw you know, it ten I, times in two weeks. I saw it ten times. Yes, that was four days less than what it was. What it was in theaters for. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I don't regret it a bit. I mean, it was my first Halloween movie. I by that point, I was because I got into the Halloween franchise when I was thirteen, and I, I just that that was my favorite franchise for the longest time. And, uh, and yeah, I was just so enamored by it and, and the ending on that. I mean, say what you will about the rest of the movie. Yeah, it hasn't aged that well, but that was the perfect well, definitive ending for the series. Okay. But we're, we're talking about H2O, right? Yeah. I am. I'll tell you this, and I'm not saying this just cause you're my guest and I'm trying to jerk you off or anything like that, but I will say that middle-aged strong Protective mother, Laurie Strode, I like a lot better than I do this crazy old woman and and all these recent Halloween movies that's finishing up this year. David Gordon Green is just... I don't even know what the hell he's trying to do with with these new films. The 2018, 
I didn't mind that bad when I first saw it. I thought I was actually kind of excited about the direct sequel idea. I'm like, okay, let's, you know, this will be something new. They're not trying, they don't have to incorporate. Although I do like, I like all the sequels except Resurrection to an extent. I, I just want to say real quick, though, I don't like that the, the first, the Halloween 2018, does not want to acknowledge the original Halloween 2. Like, that would have just seemed much more... It would have made more sense. Yes. Much more natural. Much they more... They both happen on the same night. Okay, yeah, we're just going to forget all those late 80s and early 90s movies. Yeah. And, which, which I enjoy, but... But I could understand. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna ignore the Thorn storyline. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to forget that too. But that being said, I, I am an apologist for uh, the Thorn storyline. The execution wasn't that great, but how cool an idea was that to relate? I mean, they had to they wanted to do something new with it, and not keep doing the exact same thing. So let's explain what's going on or some more Michael Myers backstory and to link the reason he's doing the things he's doing to the very origins of the holiday of Halloween to the, to the ancient Druid cults and the, you know, and how they would uh, do pagan sacrifices and stuff. You know, that, that was, that was cool. I like I liked that they wanted to do that with it. And it, they just, kind of shit the bed with their execution of it. Um, did you see the producer's cut of uh, Halloween 6? I, I am sad to say that I, uh, before it was available anywhere, I paid like 60 bucks for a uh, bootleg copy of it just because I wanted to see it so bad. I don't blame you. I've done that before, too, with other films. And I'm talking like early 2000s when I did this uh before you could really stream anything, you know. I, I can't even tell you. I have literally dozens. I, I think I have close to two dozen copies of bootlegged, uh, complete sets of the real Ghostbusters before it officially came to DVD in 2008. So, because back then, they were saying, no, we're not going to release a cartoon series on a complete set DVD. You know what I mean? They, were, they came out and said that. So... When I was in my teens, I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to buy all these sets off of not just eBay, but I, I was, oh, God, I was so stupid. I'm surprised I never got my debit, my mom's debit card information stolen or anything because I would buy some of these bootleg sets off of shady-ass fucking websites. <laughs> they would come on these DVDRs that didn't even have no artwork you know, printed on them or anything. And, and you know, you could tell it was filmed. It was copied right off of. Uh, Fox Family Channel or whatever the fuck it was, but yeah, I so I get it. You know, when you want something bad enough, if you think you're not going to get it officially, you get it as a bootleg. Oh, as a fan, you know, I was like, I have to see this. There's, there's not an option. I have to see this. So, what's your thoughts on the producer's cut? Uh, I liked it. I mean, for the most part, I, I, I liked how they tried to go back more to the original uh as much as they could i mean it, the the score was better you know it didn't have that like fucking playing the halloween theme on an electric guitar bullshit right uh, and, and uh you know and how they they went more into the cult aspect where it made a little more sense at least 
right. to what was going on, because in the theatrical cut, I mean, although I enjoy it too, uh, it, it really doesn't spend a lot of time explaining the cult away. Um, and the ending in the producer's cut, I, I really liked. You know, I thought that was a nice book into it. Can you remind me real quick, what happened at the end of the producer's cut? Uh, we're, uh, oh, uh, Tommy Doyle, he puts the runes out and cuts his hand and says some kind of chant or something that stops Michael in his tracks. And then they get out of the building. Dr. Loomis goes back in and uh, Michael's laying on the ground. He pulls off the mask and it's uh, Dr. Wynn. And Dr. Wynn grabs his arm and says, it's your game now, Dr. Loomis. And then the oh. thorn symbol appears. The thorn symbol appears on uh, his, uh, his arm, and he's screaming at the end. So, Well, now it's your curse, because you have the thorn symbol. Uh, that I got. That is another story, my friend. That was uh, uh, my uh, bachelor party back in 2011 <laughs> on Bill Street in Memphis at a shady little dive bar that had a tattoo, bar, a tattoo parlor slash storage shed in their attic. Really? So you just got that by some stranger in an attic, huh? Uh, no, she wasn't strange. I mean, she had purple hair and one tooth. I knew her pretty well. Okay. Have you I don't know her name, but I, I, I made sure the needle came out of a uh, uh, sealed package. You know, give me a break. Have you ever been tested for hep C before? No, after my that's another story. After my first wife, I figured if there's anything I was going to catch, I would have caught it from her. So I don't even worry about that shit no more. <laughs> oh my god real quick before we move on from the halloween franchise do you not like halloween kills at all no i i don't hate it it's just man it something about david gordon green his writing the and execution of the two new films so far every time i watch them i like them less <laughs> okay cool um, that was the uh, pointless. Um, they almost feel like Disney plus versions of Halloween movies. It just in the sense of the epicness and they, they look what, too polished. Yeah. And what I got out, that's the bad part. They look so polished, but the writing is almost like they're trying to do a grindhouse version of Halloween, you know, and, and it just doesn't, it doesn't, it's like oil and water. It just doesn't mix. You know, they, they look so good and polished, like you said, but the, all the dialogue and everything is, is all fucking schlocky grindhouse shit, which has its place. I enjoy a lot of grindhouse films, but don't make it look like a fucking big budget film and uh, big, big polished big budget film and, and give us... You know, writing like it should be from a 70s faster pussycat kill kill, you know, or Roger Corbin film, you know. Right, right, right. Um, I just, something just popped in my head. We were talking about VHS tapes a little while ago. I, I have to say, if really honest to God, if there was one VHS tape that I, I wore the fuck out to the point where it wouldn't play anymore, it really was Halloween 2. For some reason, yeah. I, I loved that movie when I was growing up, and I still love it. Like I, and that's why, and that, again, that's why I look at these, the, this new slate of these David Gordon Green uh, Halloween movies. And it's like, man, 
I get it. You don't like the idea of Lori being related to Michael, but Jesus Christ, Halloween 2 is one of the most popular ones in the franchise. Let it be a part of the lore of these. It would have made so much more sense of why she just has to get back at him. Because when you think about what this movie is is a sequel of, it's hard to think to yourself, no, 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 it's just a sequel of the first Halloween. Everything that happened in, in the hospital and uh, in part two didn't happen. Like, no. Yeah, the not- other two movies she was in. Yeah. Like, uh, Jesus Christ, man. Which, which it, it lost a lot, or Jamie Lee Curtis lost a lot of respect for me when it, just when she signed on for Halloween 2018. I mean, doing H2O, coming back for that, that was cool as shit. 20 years later, which she, not necessarily 20 years, 20 years from the original, but, you know, she'd done, 78 was the original, and then 81 was Halloween 2. So she comes back in 98 and said, okay, I'm coming back. My career's kind of hit a low spot. I'm going to come back. Uh, forget about that. I'm going to come back and and in this franchise that is... Uh, <coughs> That uh, is uh, kind of Peter, honestly, kind of petered out, at least at the box office. And she did that. It, the movie was a huge success. Mm-hmm. And it, it gave fans a permanent end and closure to the, uh, to the series. And, and they really they could have left that storyline, even though it was just one, two, and H2O. They could have left it right there. Yep. And then, and then you make Resurrection. Just You should have just rebooted the franchise. Uh, okay. I, I tried. I told you I saw H2O ten times in the theater. When I heard Resurrection was coming out, I you know, I was just thrilled I was getting another, another Halloween movie because 18-year-old me thought H2O was it. And then when uh, I heard Resurrection was coming around and that Rick fucking Rosenthal, director of Halloween 2, was coming back to direct it, I'm like, this is going to be fucking amazing. You know, forget that they put a bookend on it. Uh, you know, whatever he does, I'm sure the guy's brilliant. H, uh, Halloween 2 was a great film. I love it. And he's going to find a way to make this work and be great. And then we got Halloween Resurrection. And uh, I sit through it two times at the theater because I wanted to go for the uh, I wanted to go for the, the 10 watches again. And uh, I sit through it two times, and the third time I made it about 30 minutes in, I was like, because you, you always, you know, after the initial view, if you don't like a movie, I, I don't know about you, but I always, if I really don't like it, and everybody, if a lot of my friends that I know have similar tastes do enjoy a movie, and I watch it and don't like it, I'll give it another chance. I got to give it that second view. And, and so I watched it the second time, and I hated it worse that time. And then, like I said, about 30 minutes into the third viewing, I just got up and walked out of the theater. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Right. Um, I was just thinking, you know, Mike loves to have random clips for Rabbit and Red Network. Why doesn't he have the Busta Rhymes? Truck or treat, motherfucker. Like, we need to get that on Rabbit and Red. God. We need to. Like, come on. That wouldn't be the worst thing. He has all kinds of randy clips from scream and all that and like why not it's fucking give us busta rhymes trick or treat motherfucker i I don't know but anyway um resurrection is was an important film to my life for one specific reason not because i liked the movie because i i did not like it that much as a teenager and i i don't like it now as an adult but the one thing that 
it did for me was it helped me discover my love for found footage because on the original, and I know I've said this on plenty of other episodes of other shows or whatever, but um, on the original DVD release, it had a feature where you could watch the 45 minutes of the movie once they get. Yeah. 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 I've still got it. I still got the original DVD release. Yeah. And you know what? Like when I think of that movie, because after I got on DVD, I didn't even watch it anymore as the actual movie. I would just watch that. No, I, I just bought it to be completist because I love the franchise so much. I want, you know, I was like, fuck, I hated this movie, but I got to buy the DVD. Right. But no, I just I would just watch the found footage feature because that was half of the movie. That was more than half of the movie right there. And. That's, you know what I mean? Like I used to, I used to invite my friends over and be like, oh my God, I got this real footage. And, and, and I would try to tell my friends it was fucking real. And <laughs> we'd watch, cause like, if you watch it and you forget that found footage, the, the subgenre of found footage is, is a thing, then you could watch that and think, holy shit, is, is this real? Well, like at least yeah. back in 2002. Speaking of which, uh, did, uh, speaking of which, uh, segue uh did did uh did you fall for the whole blair witch thing when uh campaign when it came out you know that that everybody thought it was they were trying to push it off as a real uh real found footage video no i didn't but i'll tell you why because i didn't get to go to the theaters to see it now remember how you were just saying earlier and this was still how it was in the late 90s um a movie would go to theaters and it would take a fucking whole year, sometimes even more for it to come to VHS. Well, by the time it came to VHS, I had already found out that it was just a movie and that the actors oh. were found and the actors see, were safe and sound and all that shit. I wish I would have went to the theaters to see it. I would have believed in it. I did believe in it when, because it was a big rumor around school and, and even my family was like, oh Yeah, God. and we, we were just coming in into the internet age, so I mean, it, it wasn't Things weren't at that time, you know, at, at the, uh, you know, touch of a, you know, smartphone or something where you could uh, yeah. Google search anything, right? Well, I mean, you could Google search shit, but it wasn't near as extensive as it is now. Uh, but I had the best experience with Blair Witch because I, I didn't know anything about it. I, I think I'd saw maybe a, a trailer for it or something. I had no idea what it was about. Uh, and uh, some friends had got me to go see it at the theater and uh we we sit there and watch it and about halfway through a big storm blew through and the the electricity actually went out for like five minutes in the theater right when shit was really starting to get wound up and it just it man it just that was one of the best theatrical experiences i can remember just as far as crowd reaction and then whenever it came back on the power came back on they got it back going again i mean it just had everybody amped up that much more and uh yeah, yeah, just one of those magical theatrical experiences that you, you know, you just can't replicate. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to ask: Have you ever been to a movie theater experience where the crowd uh, in the in the theater gave the movie a round of applause at the end? Uh, yeah, Independence Day. Independence Day. <laughs> yeah, whenever Bill Pullman gives a speech, people a standing ovation. I'm like, what the fuck. Um, honestly, for me, it was Freddy versus Jason. The first time, because I got, me and my friends went to see it like the- Oh, that must have been great. 
Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, the crowd, we, we were there with a hell of a crowd because everyone that was in those seats was into it. There was nobody there that was just getting, that just got dragged there by their boyfriend or girlfriend and everyone there that was into it. And, you know, people were laughing at Freddie's one-liners, people were reacting to things and, and cause it, and again, it has a lot of wrestling style moments in it. Like it, it feels yeah. like a one big wrestling angle, Freddie. Well, Bruce. and yeah, Ronnie, you, you know, he, he's not, I mean, he's, uh, I don't want to miss, but I think he's a native Japanese. He's never been an American citizen. He's, it hasn't spent a whole lot of time in the United States. So, you know, like when you're looking at a different country, you, you know, you have preconceived ideas about them. That, that explains a lot when you think about even Bride of Ch- back to Bride of Chucky, you know, and with, with Freddy versus Jason, it's like, oh, yes, Americans, they love uh, they love blood and gore in their horror movies, and they love wrestling. So let's put those two in a movie. And it worked for it. Uh, I'm not saying it didn't, but, I mean, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, I can see that that movie was made by somebody who really doesn't have that necessarily have the greatest grasp on American culture. The, uh, yeah, but I mean, like you said, it kind of it 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 adds to the positives of that movie, though. Because could you imagine yeah. if we got a super serious Freddy versus Jason movie? It might not. Oh have been, God, might not have been that good. Um, well, the way what well, the way both the franchises went and horror in general in the late eighties was had a more comedic tone. So uh, it, it only made sense to. Uh, yeah. To carry that on. The, the only thing, I mean, I, that, that was back in the days of message boards. Uh, and uh, I wasn't on a lot of them, but I remember arguing with a lot of people over my uh, very, very uh, discuss, much disgust over them not, uh, Ronnie, you not bringing Kane Hodder back to play Jason. It's so funny because, like, and I, I'm glad I did not know about this because it probably would have ruined my enjoyment of the movie. Because, um, yeah, that's a depressing story of what happened with, with Kane Hodder yeah. and him going into a depression over it and just everything. And I, Yeah, I'm glad I didn't know about it because it would have ruined the magic around that movie. For oh, I, I was so pissed off about it because they, they were talking uh, about it, uh, Robert England and Kane Hodder. Uh, I mean, they, they were both you know, doing interviews and talking about it when they found out it was that, because he was originally supposed to play Jason, and then Ronnie Ud, he wanted somebody taller that looked more like, you know, be, to make Jason more like a Frankenstein figure. And, and like I said, it goes back to he didn't understand the American culture, pop culture, and that Kane Hodder was, you know, even though he played Jason in the later sequels that weren't as popular as the earlier ones, he, he was still related to Jason almost like Robert England was to Freddy Krueger yeah. by that point. And, uh, and whenever they, whenever he said, no, no, we're shit cannon Kane Hodder and going with a guy who played a stuntman for Kane Hodder and, uh, Jason takes Manhattan just because he, uh, just because he was taller. Uh, See, and I think that that also plays into, how he wanted to add like a wrestling angle to it because that's what was going on in wrestling at the time. You had these big giants taking on the little yeah, under like the uh, Lucadors, like the Ray Mysterio Batista thing and or Ray yeah. Mysterio Kevin Nash. You know exactly. that that was the thing. 
Yeah, and I think that's what it was. And like you said, he didn't understand American culture. I don't think a single fucking horror fan that went and seen Freddy vs. Jason would have thought, oh, Kane Hodder and Robert Englund are almost the same height as one another. Yeah, that matters. No, that wouldn't have mattered to anyone. No, no, it would have been about camera angles, you know, and... You know, yeah. they could have made it. They could have made him look massive compared to uh, Robert England. But you know, and, and then it would have been. It would have felt more like their guy versus our guy type of thing. You know, it. And yeah. It just could have been. It could have been something. Even though it was a good film, and I, I still really enjoyed. Uh, it, it could have been so much more. Yeah. Oh well. But yeah, that. Now, movie- that movie got a fucking round of applause in my theater at the end of it. And I was, and I was almost taken aback by it, you know? It's like, man. Great ending. Great ending, though. Yeah. To, to make to make fans of both series happy, you know? Did, ja- like, Jason wins this round, but he doesn't win the war. And, you know, th- there was no good way to do it. If you would have had a definitive winner, you're going to alienate a lot of people. Yeah. And, and, and the way they did it, that that was that was the way to do it, really. Did you um, did you hear about what they wanted to do with having Pinhead uh, from Hellraiser have a cameo mm-hmm. and pulling them both down to hell and you know saying something like "No, gentlemen, what just seems to be the problem?" You know that actually would have been fucking awesome. I thought. Yes, yes, I, I'd have been on board for it. that. Would have been a oh shit moment for yeah. uh, the horror community. I mean, so, so many great crossovers that were almost happened that didn't happen. Um, well, I mean, there was supposed to be an Ash versus Freddy versus Jason, and how fucking cool could have that have been? You know, uh, it also could have been a train wreck. It could have been a train. Oh yeah, and and that's why it wasn't made because and Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell have talked about that plenty of times. They flat out said like we we wouldn't have been in control of the Ash character. So imagine that if Ash would have acted not like Ash as a character. You know what I mean? It 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 could have yeah. ruined. And I, I remember reading so many uh, of the the uh, spec scripts that were submitted to New Line uh, back uh, back in the late '90s, early 2000s for uh, Freddy versus Jason. And I mean, some of them were okay, but most of them was like, wow. It, it was either really catering to one character or the other, and, and they just, you know, it. it it was a tricky property to handle, and the, the, I think Ronnie Yu, he did pretty good, given, you know, the very passionate fan bases on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Like you said, you could tear it apart. Little little pieces here and there wasn't good or outdated or whatever. Um, but it, overall, it, it could have been a much worse movie than what it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Still fun. Um. What's your favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie out of all of them? Oh, wow. You know, I go back and forth because uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was the first whenever I turned 13 and uh, I was pretty much given free reign to watch whatever I wanted. Uh, well, of course, aside from uh, porn and uh, snuff films. And snuff films. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want to just skim right past that one, or you want, you want snuff films? You like watching bitches getting killed? Um, depends on the bitch, I guess. 
He's joking, everybody, obviously. Uh, he doesn't know. Jesus. Um, but yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, franchise was my the first franchise I binge watched and, uh, and I really, I mean, loved that franchise. Even, even the later sequels, you know, there weren't any of them that I didn't watch, which I, I had an old, uh, Zenith top load VCR, uh, that I used to dub movies, uh, with the macrovision didn't work on them. So, uh, I dub movies with them, and I, uh, you know, I can't tell you the number of times I watched the uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films, and uh, but three, of course, Dream Warriors was always a favorite. And man, I don't know. It, people say it hasn't aged well, but Wes Craven's new Nightmare, and this won't be a popular opinion either. But I like it better than Scream. I think it's it's more meta than Scream. And uh, and and there would not be scream without Wes Craven's new nightmare uh, because it it started that whole or Wes Craven started that whole meta thing with the uh, with uh, new nightmare and I think that was the scariest Freddy had been since the original. I agree with most of what you just said. Um, nightmare on Elm Street is probably the only franchise that there's very few installments that I don't like. I really just I only don't like. Dream Child, Part Five, Four and Five, or I'll admit, are weaker entries. Uh, uh, Freddy's Dead. I I don't know why. I just get. Into, I love it. Uh, I, I yeah. It's it's just so fucking goofy and because silly. It, because it leans into it. It 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 doesn't yeah. cock tease you with some slapstick and some silliness. It leans all the way. Falls right into that bed. Yeah. And, you're either gonna love it or you hate it, and I I love it. I think Freddy or uh, yeah Freddy yeah I had movie. I had so much fun with that movie, um, and still do. Uh, but uh, I, I yeah. will disagree with you about part four. I like part four. I I I I don't like how they killed off the Dream Warrior character so quickly. And and yeah the, yeah that they probably could have done that a little bit differently. I remember as a kid, yeah, being like. What the fuck? You know, I just watched because I was watching them back to back, and uh, I just watched uh, part three, and I was like, "This is great!" You know, they're building these characters up, and and we've got uh, we got three more of these to go, and I mean, I wonder if they're going to be uh, in all of them, and you know, and they could have done be constant war, but no, no, we're going to kill them off in the first twenty minutes of the new movie. <laughs> Now, if Dream Master would have fucking been made uh, just a couple of years ago, Kincaid would have been the sole survivor because he's a big black man. Huh. Right? Am I right? Mm. Mm. I, I pity the fool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I... Uh, the, it's, yeah, it's just a dream child. Part five, I think, is a bullshit movie. Um, and, and it has its moments, even, though, that are cool. I mean, it, I don't hate it. The special effects are cool, but even that, yeah. you got they, they cut a lot, a lot out of the R-rated version, and you can't even find the unrated version of part five. So Yeah, when, in the I, late 80s, when the MPAA was raping the horror genre. Yeah, um, but I agree. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, just, you know, spitting on it and sticking it in and raping, you know. They were pouring sand on it 
you know, wrapping yeah. some barbed wire around it. They were, and, uh, they were sticking Negan's bat and, and your ass. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. If Freddy's Dead is the Looney Tunes of the franchise, then Dream Master is the MTV, you know, of the franchise. And I, I like it still to this day. It's not a favorite. I think my favorites really are um, one and three. And for some reason, I, and I never disliked it as a child. I never disliked it as a as a teenager. But I have a fondness for the second one, Freddy's Revenge. Um, just like we were talking about earlier, I never cared that there was some homoerotic stuff in it. I never cared, and I still don't care now. And Freddy is fucking scary. And he second. is, he is. And I always knew. I mean, just watching the movies consecutively, I, uh, whenever I was a kid, I, I always knew that one. This one, something very different about this one. But I liked it. I, I mean, I thought it was. You know, I thought it, like you said, Freddy was fucking scary in it, and that school bus scene at the beginning, and. I always thought it was a very solid entry in the series. Although, you know, I, I knew, you know, this really isn't like any of the other films, but it, it, you know, at the same time, like, well, the, I tried to think back to, to this was when it was made. They didn't, they didn't have a franchise. They just had one to go off of then. So, you know, it didn't know what it was going to be right at the time, just because the other, uh, sequels leaned a little bit more back toward the original or right. the next couple after that, you know, the Freddy we all know and love. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's, it's different. It's, uh, it's scary. It, it's sometimes absurd, but, uh, it, it has some true nightmare imagery in it. And, uh, and I love it for that. It's, it's always going to be in my top three Elm Street films. Yeah. Growing up, um, the one part in Freddy's Revenge that scares me, scared me a little bit, was the baby face dogs. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Creepy ass shit. Yeah. What the fuck? Um, have you ever played the NES games for Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th? Nintendo? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh <laughs> See, I was cleaning out my storage shed today with my son, and um, uh, going back here to, I guess about five years ago, uh, I uh, was evicted from my man cave uh, after my second daughter was born, and uh, so I had to box up all my stuff on the shelves, and uh, and uh, yes, I did. Uh, oh. And that was the this topic was not planned, and, and that's in good condition. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have too much wear. I've actually never played this copy of it. A, a, a friend of mine gave it to me uh, years ago, years ago, probably 15, 20 years ago. But, uh, but yeah, I, I used to play it, and uh, and my kids, the funny thing is, my kids, uh, yes, I'm a horrible parent, I let them play the uh. Uh, Xbox One Friday Thirteenth game uh, that they always want to play is the uh, NES version of Jason on there. Oh, really? That because yeah, the purple one. Yeah. I guess because he's colorful, you know. Uh, but wow! So you what? only played the NES version of Friday Thirteenth. You never played Nightmare on Elm Street on NES. 
I think I might have played it once. My cousin had it when we were kids, and he was a big horror fan, and uh, and he had it. But yeah, I I don't even remember anything about it. it. It's it's. I mean, in my opinion, it's a better game than Friday the Thirteenth because the thing about Friday the Thirteenth it's very unbalanced. It's a very difficult, unfair game. I mean, yeah, yeah. once you figure out how to do it, you can enjoy it, but it's very unfair. Nightmare on Elm Street is also has some unfairness to it, but it feels more like um, like Ghosts and Goblins or Super Ghouls and Ghosts, you know, that type mm-hmm. of thing where like it's difficult, but once you figure out the strategy, you're you're gonna do all right. Um the third game, or excuse me, the, the NES game of Nightmare on Elm Street, it kind of uh takes a lot of notes from the third movie, a Dream Warriors. You play these random kids. Um, and you basically have to go, you're wa- you start out walking down Elm Street and you have to go in these houses and find Freddy's bones. And the whole mm-hmm. point of the game is you have to bury Freddy's bones before, and, and, and they have a sleep mechanic. You can fall asleep in the game. And when that happens, all the enemies uh, become stronger enemies. So like for an example, you have your, um, your stereotypical horror uh, enemies, like you know, like a Frankenstein monster or a zombie or a, a dog, a werewolf dog. You know what I mean? And then if you fall asleep, the 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 sky goes black, and you know the the backgrounds go blue, and uh, the music changes. But when you fall asleep, you can pick up these power ups, and you can have power ups in the sleep version of the game. Like for an example, you can be a wizard, like that, like the crippled guy was. And yeah, yeah. Um, and you get to fight certain iterations of Freddy as boss battles. Like you can fight almost like the worm from that scene in Dream Warriors. Um, it's a you after you uh, maybe it'll be too late tonight, but in the next couple of days you should look up YouTube videos of Nightmare on Elm Street for NES. It's a very interesting game still to this day. Yeah, just think you know we've got a Friday Thirteenth game uh, now a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just think of what they could do. I mean, why, why are we getting these other games first? Just think of what they could do with the Nightmare on Elm Street game with today's technology. It, it, it ain't nothing against Killer Clowns as a fucking franchise, but did we need a Killer Clowns from Outer Space I, asymmetrical game? No, we could have got a Nightmare on Elm Street game first. And and Robert Englund could have voiced them. Yeah, yeah. God damn! And you're right. Think of all the mechanics that they could have put in that type of online multiplayer asymmetrical game. Like, yeah, that could have been fucking fantastic. Who knows? Maybe they'll still do it. Yeah, what make other- it, uh, make it. Which I, I'm not a huge, admittedly not a huge gamer. Uh, I've, I've never been. Uh, I don't have the hand-eye coordination. To, uh, I played uh, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, all the consoles back whenever I was a kid, and I still have consoles now but I, I never got good at it i'm just uh, i'm just not coordinating enough uh to play them but but that being said man they could uh some of these games are so uh, like the friday 13th game what they could do with a nightmare on elm street game as far as making it maybe like uh even like uh make it like the silent or at least the first couple of silent hill games with that altered reality type uh thing going on it, it could be so so freaking over the top and awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. I didn't even think about the comparison to old school Silent Hill games. That that is a perfect example. Um, what? So I wanted to ask this real quick because I asked, "What was your favorite Nightmare installment? What's your favorite Friday the Thirteenth installment?" 
You know, that's another one I go back and forth on. Um, Maybe I should say installments, plural. What's some of your favorite installments? <laughs> uh, I love Jason Lives. I mean, people are either hot or cold on that, but I, I've, I've always loved it. Uh, every Friday the 13th, I watch it with my kids because that's the only one without boobies. Um, I remember you telling me this. But, uh, yeah, they, they really, they, they all always get a kick out of it. Uh, but uh, part six, uh, part three uh, is just always, for some reason, I guess because that's the first one of the series I really saw in its entirety. Uh, when I started watching horror movies, it's always held a special place for me. Um, and uh, and I even, I like all of them, though. I mean, like I said, even Jason Goes to Hell, I mean, it. I remember when I first watched, when it first came out, I was like, well, what the fuck? But, um, but I, I still enjoy it. I mean, the opening's great and the, uh, the ending's a lot of fun. And, uh, and there's some great special effects in it. Um, but, uh, Jason goes to hell. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't like bubblehead Jason, but you know, oh well. I mean, um, the fucking, uh, the, the tent, the sex death scene, that was fucking... Yes, crazy. yes. I've still got the unrated VHS of that. Is that, that, the, really... is that the one where the, the cover of the VHS it pops out and you can feel the mask? Yeah. Uh, yep, I have that one too. But, uh, yeah, that's a great one. Um, like I said, I, I don't see why people... Well, I guess I do see why people hate on it so much, but... Uh, I loved um, hell. I, I liked it. Adam Marcus, he was young and trying. He was a a fan making a movie of a franchise he was a huge fan of. And uh, David Gordon you know, Green doing now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd compare it to that. You know, uh, he, David Gordon Green. He's he's not necessarily doing, handling the Halloween franchise uh, the way that most of the diehard fans would like. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to give Adam Mark. The difference is David Gordon Green is like in his fifties and Adam Marcus was like in his early twenties, whenever he did and Jason who, goes to hell. Cause it was one of my favorite interview episodes. Cause Adam Marcus came on to rabbit and red, right? Yeah. Yeah. We had him. He's been on it a couple times, I think, but we had him here last year. I think it was. Yeah, no, and I watched that. That was one incredible, interesting episode because I love such a cool guy, such a cool guy too. And he just takes—I mean, all the freaking backlash from fans. He just takes it in stride, you know. He's not saying "fuck you," I make what I want, or you know, doing not doing the whole Yuva Bowl thing, you know, where people tell him his movie shit, and he just goes off on a tirade, a tirade on him. He's like, you know. You know, I wish everybody would have liked it, but, you know, I was trying to give fans what they want, and it wasn't, wasn't what everybody wanted, apparently. Real quick, I do want to say, I did like House of the Dead, the movie. I know it's terrible, it's cheesy as fuck. I haven't watched it in years. That's an Uva Bowl movie, I believe. And, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he did the second one. Did someone else do the second one? But it just didn't feel how the first one. I don't know one. if he did. No, I don't think he yep. did. I don't think he did. But uh, the first House of the Dead, when they started playing that fucking rap song, when they just went into that graveyard and just <laughs> like that, that's another movie that like you either get it or you don't, you know. But here's the thing. If you really like, have you ever, you said you're not really a gamer, so you probably never played any of the House of the Dead games. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I played like uh, the arcade. I played uh, probably the first two House of the Dead, House of the Dead two. I they used to actually have one at our uh, local movie theater. Uh, I think it was House of the Dead two they had there, and yeah, I played the shit out of it there. And but the one I was the biggest fan of uh, was uh, House of the Dead Overkill for the which they had on I think Nintendo Wii and. And PlayStation Three, I had it for the Nintendo Wii, where you could, and I had the uh, the gun controllers where you could put the uh, the Wii controller in the gun, and uh, so it was actually like you know arcade play, and the, uh, that was so cool because that move that game was like a basically like a grindhouse film, and um, what a what a blast that was! I am so fucking glad you brought up that game because I don't know too many people that even know about House of the Dead Overkill other than myself. How do people not know about that? I mean, that is and you know what? And it had so such, cool. It had such a commercial campaign. Thanks. Much appreciated. Um, it had such a good commercial campaign, and it was only a $30 game. It was a yeah. title. And well, and it's like the first Wii game you get where we're having cussing and tentacle booby monsters and shit and uh, yeah. and the <laughs> end of the game with incest and all kinds of crazy like that yeah. game fucking crazy um and I actually because I I actually have it sitting right over to the side of me I still have my Nintendo Wii uh, hooked up and it's in great condition oh I, yeah yeah I've got I've got one in the living room right now the kids still love to. Yeah, well, they mainly play Mario and shit on it, but uh, the new Super yeah. Mario Wii in the red case. Yep. Yeah, that's a great game too. But my most favorite games to play on the Wii are the all the rail shooters. They're called on rail shooters. That would be House of the Dead, Overkill, and there's a couple of Resident Evil uh, that came out: uh, Resident Evil, Umbrella Chronicles, and Dark Side Chronicles. So I, I, I think I think I played the Umbrella Chronicles a little bit. I rented it once or something, but uh, yeah. That's another game you either like it or you don't because it had a learning. It like okay when you turn on House of the Dead Overkill, it don't matter how fucking terrible you are. At you just point and shoot. Yeah, yeah, and it only took takes two two or three shots to get take down, and it feels so good. Even still to this day, it's satisfying to kill a zombie in House of the Dead Overkill because all their you can shoot all their limbs off. Yeah, and and you, if you shoot them in the head, their heads explode <laughs> and brain matter goes everywhere. So. It's a it's a it's a satisfying game with unlimited continues and the story oh, yeah. with a great story mode too. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, and it's uh, like I mean, it's Grindhouse. I mean, Grindhouse, Quentin Tarantino esque. Yeah, uh, it, it's. I think he was a producer on it actually. Um, I don't, I don't know. I they definitely took a lot of um, they took a lot of inspiration from Planet Terror, I believe. Yeah, yeah, because it came out right around the same time as the uh, Grindhouse double feature uh, with right. Quentin Tarantino, Robert Robert Rodriguez, and uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> which they, I love. That that was another one I went to the theater three times to see. They they didn't bring them to my theaters. I had to wait. Oh for them. no! Yeah, I had to wait. I didn't. I've never, still to this day, never got to see the cut of both of them together. Oh man. I've seen both what of them. A, what a great theatrical experience that was with all the trailers and everything. You know, just like the only thing that would have made it better was getting to watch it at the drive-in that way. Right. Well, um, and real quick here, because uh, Planet Terror was a great thing for me, not just because the movie was fantastic, but it had the mock 
What, wait, wait, which one was it? Was it Death Proof or was it Planet Terror that had the mock trailer for Hobo with a Shotgun? I don't remember which one. <laughs> it's been too long, but uh, is, is that movie because they they also had the 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 um the mock trailer for Machete, but then and then they turned that into a franchise. Yeah. But then they also turned Hobo with a Shotgun into a movie. And my God, I know we've talked about I've talked about it so many times before, but I fucking love Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh, Ruger Hauer. I mean, enough said. <laughs> yeah. They're like we can talk about that movie another time. I, I think I went into d- great detail on that before. But uh, yeah, House of the Dead Overkill though it it took it was I, the only thing I can say about it if there was one flaw to it is it maybe was a little too easy because but that was the whole point of it. It was called Overkill, so all of your guns that you could purchase had unlimited ammo, and you could just go Overkill on taking out the zombies. Yeah. Um. I wanted to ask, did you have the copy... Okay, so not a lot of people know this, but... So, okay, when House of the Dead Overkill first got released on Wii, it had the frame rate issue. Do you remember that? Where the screen would pop and and have quick little... I don't want to call them freezes, but kind of like what you would see in a Grindhouse film, where maybe you just got so used to it, or maybe you got a copy that didn't have it. Um, but yeah, the original release of Overkill had screen pops where, and, and everyone was all like, is this part of the game or is this a glitch or whatever? And then, um, a couple, about a year later, they released, they quietly released because they didn't announce it. This was before patches because the Wii, the Nintendo Wii didn't mm-hmm. get no patches or anything like that, but they released a revised version of House of the Dead Overkill and it, it fixed the screen pop. So it was a lot more smoother. You must have been lucky and got the non-screen pop version. Did you? You know, that? I don't remember it for some reason. That uh, that sounds familiar, but I, you know, if it was, I just thought it was part of the aesthetic. I'm sure it did. Because, feel- I mean, fr- from the time I, you know, when it first started, I st- first started playing. I'm like, oh, this is so fucking cool. They're trying. This is they're doing this just like a grindhouse, old grindhouse film. So uh, right. So I yeah. might not have even noticed it. Well, I, I mean, the screen pops only really happened when there's no zombies on. Because it, what it was doing is it was loading the next section. And they could. I remember they did an interview with either GameSpot or IGN or somebody. And they said but they couldn't figure out before the release date. So they were a little crunched for time. They couldn't figure out how to get the, the next part of the levels to load, but without mm-hmm. a screen pop. So they left it in. But they must have figured it out after it got released, because like I said, they, there's definitely more than one version of it that got released on Wii, and it, it was just solely to fix that screen pop. So if 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 you got lucky enough not to get that screen pop, like that's good. That that's a solid game right there. Yeah, it, it's been too many years <laughs> since I played it, but uh, did you know that? They yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Did you know that they re-released it on PS3? Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember when it came out because that's when that uh, PS3 Move or whatever it was yeah. called, where they had like the one with the bulb on the end of it, was right. when they tried to get into the whole compete with the whole Wii type thing, right. motion sensor thing, and uh, and here's the yeah. thing about that: like a lot of people nowadays, at, at the time, because they re they redid it, they remade the whole game from the ground up for the PS3. It was essentially a whole new game, just with the same actors and same story and all that shit. And they added a couple extra levels. Like they actually added extra levels that you could play as Varla, the the, the girl that got her uh, was it 
Varn? No, she just had him. But she didn't get nothing cut off in the game. I'm thinking of Planet <laughs> Terror. Yeah, Varla guns from the from the game. Like you could actually play a couple of levels oh, wow. of her. But you, yeah, you played like you uh and and the remake. The, what's it called? The extended cut or something like that. But in that version, it's explained that she was a stripper, and so you actually get to play a strip club level in in the remake, which is kind of cool. But uh, it's funny because when people look back on this game now, everyone for the most part prefers the Nintendo Wii version because it it it's, it holds up better than the PS3 remake. Yeah, I still like to play it. I've still got a PS3. I may have to look it up. Yeah, look up the differences. It's drastic. It, and actually, because they were so focused on making the PS3 version look different and look, make it look prettier, is it completely destroyed the whole point of the grindhouse? Yeah, the whole yeah low budget aspect. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're over two hours in. Let's talk a little bit more about your personal life just for a minute. You said that. Your, your, your kids, you involve your kids in a lot of stuff that you enjoy, video games, horror movies. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, much as much as I can, yeah. Uh, Have you ever gotten pushback from your, your woman on any of this? Like, has she ever said, like, Cody, I don't know if I want little Johnny there to play this or watch that? Oh, no, no, she's always been great about it. I mean, occasionally, like I said, the Friday the 13th game, uh, whenever... Uh, whenever uh, her five-year-old son uh, is uh, is saying, "Cody, Cody, I just cut his head off," uh, and uh, she's like, "I don't know if he should be playing that." I'm like, "He'll be fine. It's just I, pretend, remember, buddy." I, I just truly believe in my heart that I don't think horror movies and video games attribute to violence in people. I, no, I don't think at all. I don't think I, it does at all. Oh, I think it's something much more deeply psychological than anything like that, honestly. Um, what's some of your kids' favorite horror movies and video games and stuff like that? Oh, well, uh, of course, they're all big in the Minecraft thing, or most of them are. Uh, which I like to watch them play it. I don't really like to play it myself, but I, I get have a blast uh, watching them play like on creative mode and stuff, just the st things they come up with. Um and I enjoyed the shit out of watching them play Friday the 13th uh, on uh, Xbox. They um, they don't uh, enjoy being the survivors at all? They just always want to play Jason? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course they always want to play Jason. Yeah. <laughs> they, you let them play online or they just have to play offline with bots? I, I Sometimes they'll sneak in an online play when they, they get on my Xbox, but I... I usually make them just play offline with bots because I don't, yeah. well, even though they don't have headphones, uh, it's, well, the bots are, I always have them play on easy because that way they can actually feel like they're doing something. <laughs> well, and then also there's a lot of disgusting toxicity on online gaming. Like, oh yeah. You know, there like was, I, I mean, I haven't played online in years, but, uh, I got into playing online back like in the mid two thousands, uh, when the first Gears of War came out, and uh, and uh, I was playing that heavy, and even back then, people, wow, <laughs> I used to have so much fun with it. I played with a buddy I worked with online, and and he was one of those type of guys on Gears of War. When you play live, he'd just frag tag and chainsaw everybody. That's all he'd do, and that just the best way to piss everybody off. And some of the stuff, I mean, the one guy, his his gamer tag was so for a goat. And uh, he informed uh, my friend that he was going to come to his house on Christmas morning and cut his mom's head off. And 
as a, if, if, now mind you, if he chainsawed or frag tagged him again. So the next round, of course, he had to then. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's nothing compared to, I mean, because I, I, I play Mortal Kombat online, and it is such a hostile environment. Oh, yeah, I've heard you talk about it on the show uh, before, you know, how, uh, you know, when you don't, when you do, the, they don't want you to do the finishers and shit, and uh, they get pissed off if you do. Oh, and I'm like that's what the game's about, you know. And it's so funny because, like, I play it every day. I, you know, I I play it, you know, a few hours during the day, a few hours during the night, or whatever. And you hear some toxic shit. You hear people going off, and and yeah, you hear lots of threats. People threaten each other, you know, and all that bullshit. It ain't nothing that you can't hear. And, and, and actually, I was just thinking about this a couple of days ago. I, I, sometimes I have to be careful because, you know, uh, he, he, you know my Berlia, she's black. My, uh, she's my best friend. I have other best friends who are black. And, uh, but if I have a random home health aide showing up at my house, chances are I'm going to be playing Mortal Kombat online until I let them know, okay, I'm ready for lunch, I'm ready for dinner, and all that shit. And it just so happens to be my bad luck that I end up getting in a room where two people are arguing with each other and one guy calls the other guy a nigger. And then I, and then I look over at my, the home health aide and I just tell her like, I'm so sorry you heard that. Like I, and I try to explain to her like, you got to understand, I can't control that. I can't, I, you know what I mean? I can't really tell ahead of time that that's going to, you know what I mean? And most of the time they're cool. Like I, you know, I understand. Ain't no one fucking, you, you didn't say it, you know, and all that. I just said it on the show, but fuck it, it's my show. I can say whatever I want. Cody Robinson did not say it. I said it. Fuck it. Direct all hate towards me. Anyway, um, but the the worst fucking thing actually is um the way that uh the LGBT community gets attacked on Mortal Kombat. See, there is a rumor right now that I I guess the NetherRealm Studios, which is the team behind Mortal Kombat, you know, the franchise right now, they want to have a, it's either a non-binary character in the next game or a transgender character or something like that. They want to have that. And normally I'd be against something like that because it's like, come on, that's a little woke and all that. But what about the lizard guy? Was he not non-binary? Is that not non-binary enough for him? Yeah. What the fuck? But, uh, but here's the thing. When you go online, there's a lot, a lot of gay people, a lot of transgenders. So in a way, I it's like, hey, go ahead and put that character, put multiple characters like that in the game because if that will make more sales and if that will get, you know what I mean? Like, go ahead. Like, why the fuck? Yeah, not- well, like we were talking about with mainstream media, TV and movies, you know. Yeah, it's all about what sells. Yeah. And, and man, and I I know I, I make a lot of... Uh, you know, dark jokes and all that. And I have no problem saying socially unacceptable words. Cause I don't believe in calling words by their first letters and all that shit, but no. I am not okay with using words like that for an actual attack. And, and that's all. And sometimes it even gets to me. Like I, I, I truly believe in my heart that like most black people who go on to uh, an online game, they're probably in the back of their head. They're already expecting it. They know, you know, someone gets super pissed with me. They're probably going to call me a nigger. But the thing is, is like some of these gay people who will go online, they immediately, immediately get called faggots, you know, and that's the first thing anybody wants to go towards when you get mad at a transgender person or a gay person, you should call them a faggot. And I just, I feel fucking terrible. What, you know what I mean? Cause I think 
and I, I don't mean to sound like, you know, I'm poking fun at them, but I think their emotions are just a little bit more fragile than the black community. You know, black people are known as having tough skin and they've been through some shit, yo, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, the gay community, a lot of them are, they're just want, they all of them, not black people, gay people. They just want to play video games. Don't attack them just because of that's the easiest thing to say at them. You know what I mean? Um, you know, or how about don't attack him at all? You know, well, okay, little bitches get on there. I mean, I can understand talking a little smack on there because that that's fun. I mean, with within reason, within reason, but actually saying shit to try to intentionally try to make another person feel like they are lesser, yeah, a human being, uh, no. No. Yeah, don't do that. I I agree with you. I'm not all about that. Um, excuse me. I um, my actual PlayStation online name is the exact name that you see in my uh, in my Streamyard box right here. It's Crippled Cody. That's all it is. So if anybody wants to add me on PlayStation, you can. But the reason why I made it like that is because in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it right out there, right in front. Let give them the easy because I don't care if anyone calls me a crippled retard or anything like that. I don't care. I. I'd much rather someone get mad at me online and come at me verbally and say all kinds of terrible things than to have to listen to, you know, someone that's trans or someone that's, you know, anybody that's diverse in any kind of way get attacked like that. Because it's like, man, you don't know if they can handle it like I can handle it. Like I can handle it, but I don't know if they can handle it. Like who's to say that they wouldn't get so upset that they'd go try to kill themselves after playing Mortal Kombat online just because some fucktard had to call them a, a, a socially unacceptable word. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it is a problem. And I do agree with you that children under a certain age should not be playing video games online because that it's the Wild West still online gaming. Yeah. So, yeah, because and you, you said your kids, you know, they don't have a microphone and whatnot, but that doesn't mean they can't hear the other people's voices coming through the TV screen. Yeah, like, yeah. They, uh, between that and uh, oh, shit, what's the other one they play? The other big. Uh, not Ro besides Roblox, uh, the. Um, shit. I don't <laughs> I know. Bought so many cards for the. Ah, um, oh, shit. Uh, I wouldn't know. That big online shooter one. Um, Call of Duty? Fortnite. Fortnite, for oh. God's sake. Fortnite. Yeah, the, the, they love playing Fortnite. Yeah. Um, Fortnite in my Same way, you'll hear them. Yeah, I walk, I walk through the room, even though they don't have headphones on. You can still hear what the other players are saying through the TV, and they'll be like, holy shit, turn yeah. this down. Because there's no real intimidation that to, to tell you that you can't say whatever you want on these online games. Um, there's a feature on PlayStation and probably on the other consoles too, where you can record the last like 30 seconds or something like that of, but it's not well known. Like not a lot of people know like, Hey, you can hit the record button, record that person that like a clip from 30 seconds ago and then send it to Sony and report them. It's almost like it's irrelevant. And it, it still makes it the Wild West and all these trolls, all of these people still say terrible things to one another. And like I said, on one hand, I enjoy it because I enjoy listening to all kinds of toxicity. But yeah, I 
there's a line, there's a limit there. Like we're all having a good yeah. time, and then some guy comes in and calls a trans woman a faggot. Like, don't do that. Don't fucking do that at all. You call her an asshole. Call her a loser at the game or something. Something she something that's not personally tied with her existence. You know, you don't have to do that. Well, I mean, in the early days of online gaming, or even before online gaming, where when we could play, like uh, when we first could play multiplayer with more than two players on games. I mean, I mean, some of the best times we had gaming uh, with me and my friends uh, were back in like the early WWE game days, like PlayStation Two, and when they come out with the uh, the adapter where you could play four players uh, in one match, and we'd have parties at my house. Uh, uh, we get everybody together, you know, and cook out and everybody and sit around, take turns, all four of us sitting around the living room uh, playing uh, Fatal Four Ways and Hell in a Cell match, Fatal Four Way Hell in a Cell matches and just all talking smack to each other and having a blast at it. Right. Wait, have you never played No Mercy on N64? No, that that's the thing. I, I was right in that age gap. The Super Nintendo was the last console I had before I was driving age and then there for like four or five years i really didn't play much video games uh and, and i kind of got back into it back during the, like the uh, playstation 2 and uh xbox right uh, era how old were you when you got pussy for the first time cody uh i'm trying to think it was 18 or 19 i was a late bloomer yeah wow same thing. The same thing goes for getting your dick sucked. Eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, I married the bitch too. <laughs> that was your first wife. Yep, that was and, the first one. Wait, have you only you've only been married once or twice? Twice. Twice. So what is this? Third time's a charm. Uh, well, I'm not married yet. Well, you you should nickname Krista your third charm. Third time charm. She, she really is my third charm. I, I would say that. Uh, but uh, she better be. And I've dated this time. I was. Uh, I actually got out and dated a little bit in between them. So because uh, uh, my first wife, I when we got our divorce, we were together for four years. We were, like I said, both very young when we got together, and uh, and and she was crazy as shit. I mean, literally crazy. She was uh, diagnosed with severe bipolar syndrome so that was uh that's bad. that's a lot of fun if you've ever met anyone that's uh, severely bipolar it oh i it interesting oh i was close with a girl um her name was Alyssa. uh i was close with her from 2014 to 2019 we were just friends um but yeah she had bipolar disorder and oh my fucking god you're damned if you do damned if you don't with the uh, things are fine one second you know everything's going great and then bam just like yep. that yep for sure so yeah, uh, good on you for divorcing that bitch. Made made a, for a lot of good stories though. My friends still like to tell the stories about her. I mean, and and now now it it's been far enough. I mean, that's been almost twenty years ago. Now uh, now I can laugh at him too. Good. Then help us laugh at some of them. Tell us some of the stories of your first marriage. <laughs> oh, you got oh. A left. I'll start off. With, I'll start off with a good one. Uh, uh, like I was saying, we were having one of those times when uh, we were playing the PlayStation 2, uh, had, a, had a couple of my buddies over, we were sitting in my living room, and uh, and aside uh, aside from being severely bipolar, she was also uh, diagnosed nymphomaniac, which, you oh. know, 
on paper sounds great when you're in your early 20s. Not so much. Um, <laughs> but uh, she, uh, we lived in a house trailer, uh, and uh, she went back to the uh, other end of the uh, house, into the bedroom, and we're on there playing the video games. And like I said, she could be happy-go-lucky one second, and then bam. I mean, it didn't even take anything to trigger her. She would just have a chemical imbalance or whatever the hell it was. But uh, anyway, I saw her come out of the bedroom with about a two-foot-long orange dildo. And I was looking down the hallway in this house trailer. I'm sitting on the couch, and my buddies are sitting on the other couch because they can't see down the hallway. We're all sitting here playing this video game. And uh, I just jumped up and bolted out. I was closest to the door. I bolted out the door. And uh, the, the way they told me, they were like, what the fuck? They saw me. You take off running. And uh, they got up to see why I ran out the door. And by the time they saw her coming down the hallway with this big orange dildo. And uh, one of my buddies, we called him Boom Boom. He was a, uh, well, he's lost a lot of weight now, but he was rather portly back in the day. Uh, he jumped under one of the couches, and these couches were like six inches off the ground, and he was like about that thick. You know, he was like two and a half foot thick. He was a big boy. Uh-huh. But he jumps under this couch and is hiding under this couch. And, I mean, the legs are all on the couch are all on the ground. Somehow he is he is uh, hiding under this couch. And my other buddy, uh, he had a shotgun with him, uh, had had it propped up in the corner. Uh, corner. He just he just bought, bought it and wanted to show it off. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, we're in the country. We hunt a lot down here. But... Uh, but he jumps up with a shotgun, grabs it out of the corner, and he pumps a shell in the barrel because she's coming at him about to start beating him with this dildo. <laughs> and, uh, and he told her, back off, bitch. <laughs> so she takes off, returns, and takes off running out the door. And by that time, I was already like two blocks away. I mean, I, I wanted no part of it. Oh my god, so she got the dildo not because she was horny, but because she wanted to beat all of you with the dildo. Yeah, she was, yep, yep, that was her plan. Beat the hell out of all of us. Please, please tell me you didn't have no kids with her. Oh no, thank god no. Thank Christ no. But, my no she, she, uh, at one time, uh, I had a couple other friends over at a different time, close to the same time period, within a year, because uh, we, I think we lived together there for... Not quite two years, but uh, she, like I said, with the bipolar and the nymphomania, I mean, we could have, my parents could be over, my grandparents could be over, and she would come in the living room and said, Cody, go back to the bedroom, we have to have sex now. <laughs> this this was the way her mind worked. It didn't matter who was there. And uh, I had a couple of my friends over I hadn't seen in a while, and we're sitting in there, you know, just sitting, you know, bullshitting, uh, sitting in the living room and she comes in and says, I'm like, uh, and says just that. And I said, uh, uh, you know, I've got friends here now, you know, can, yeah, can you wait? Can, a little later? Yeah. Can, yeah. And you know, I was being as polite as po- possible not to sit her off. Cause by this point we've been together a couple of years and I already knew she was pretty fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> you gotta either handle this the right way or she'll rape you right in front of you. But me. my friends respectfully are like, okay, you got stuff going on here. We're gonna bolt, you know. And uh, 
and, and so they got in their car to leave, and uh, we're backing out of the driveway, and uh, I walked them out and was telling like, hey, sorry about that. I mean, she's off her meds. Um, she comes out the door wearing only a T-shirt. She's naked. She's not totally Donald Duck in it. She's naked from the waist down. And uh, I had a shovel sitting next to my front porch. She grabs this shovel up, and I'm like, oh, shit, because I, I was standing out in the driveway, and they were backing out of the driveway. And uh, so I'm like, shit. So I jumped in my car to take <laughs> off, and she took the keys out of my car. She'd already thought of this, I, I guess, earlier. And uh, about the time I noticed the keys aren't in, I look up, and she javelins the shovel from like 20 foot away and sticks it in the windshield. It comes through the windshield and is sticking through the windshield right in front of my face. Oh my fucking gosh, she could have took out your eyes. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, good times, good times. Oh my god. Like that sounds like a horror movie. That we could make it it really movie. it really was. I mean, she ran me over with a car one time. What? And mind you, I I've always basically as I am now. I I always kind of prided myself. I can get along with just about anybody. You know, doesn't matter race, creed, color, religion, you know, uh, but uh, she uh, she was a challenge. Uh, we she was doing uh, one time one of her flip outs and uh, and I was like, okay, you know, you need some time to cool down. I'm just gonna take this basket full of stuff, go stay at uh, the grandparents' house overnight and let you cool down. And uh, I'm walking out to go load my stuff in my car and she runs out the door and hops in her car. I'm like, okay, thank God she's leaving. Uh, no, I'm standing in the middle of the driveway. She fires up her car and slams it in reverse and nails it and runs me over <laughs> with the car. Fortunately, I, I was, I jumped right as she, uh, hit me and just rolled over the top of the cab. But, uh, yeah, my, my basket full of laundry went everywhere and it was, uh, uh, well, the neighbor's got a good show. So, have you and uh, have you and her ever came close to actually physically fighting? Has she ever tried to physically fight you? What, what would you do? Oh, what? yeah, she she would. Yeah, she'd get violent a lot. Yeah, she. I had come out with several black eyes and bloody noses. But I mean, all, all you can do with someone like that, it, it's like dealing almost like with a Alzheimer's patient or something like that. Uh, you, you know, you just got to try to restrain them as best you can and, uh, without hurting them. Do you, do you believe that if a woman hits a man, that that's enough for a man to hit her back? Uh, you know, not for me. I, I guess it depends on the, I, I personally wouldn't hold it against somebody for defending themselves. Uh, but I, I just, it was one of those things I just could never bring myself to do that. Right. Uh, it just, you know, it's just not the way I'm wired. Yeah, I get but, it. But looking back on it, I was like, man, you took some pretty good beatings and just kind of took them when you, you know, everybody that cared about you said, man, you just, you really should defend yourself. And, yeah. Uh, Man, I'm telling you, with the, the way my disability is, if any bitch hit me, I would try my best to hit her back. Like, a bitch, I'll fuck you up if you put your. I and I respect your opinion, and I'm I'm glad you're not that type of guy. But oh no, I, like I said, I, I fully believe everybody has a right to defend themselves. Yeah, no, I mean, if a woman slaps a man, 
I don't think a man should fist up and knock her fucking head off, but I do think he should maybe slap her back. Not too hard, but just let her know, like, bitch, don't do that. Don't do that, bitch. You know what I mean? Like, give her that. Well, that you know, that it works. Be- it works both ways, and uh, you know, you know, it, it's it's a very touchy subject. But especially in the age we live in now, where with, with transgender folk competing in sports that uh, are not. They are not genetically. Uh... And you know what? Let's just come out and fucking say it. Trans women should not be in women's sports. Fuck you if you're offended. I don't care. Cody, you don't have to I say it. Even Caitlyn Jenner fucking says it, you know? And really? they, try, they tried to fucking cancel her or him or whatever the fuck. Them. Uh, Jenner, them, they, that, whoever. Yeah. But even, even he, her, they, them said it, you know? That, that transgender women shouldn't compete in women's sports. Yeah. It's a slap to the face of all actual women athletes that busted their ass and their get, ass to get where they are, yes. Yeah. And then you throw a fucking biological male in there because I want to be a girl now. And, oh, God. I just. Yeah. Well, let, let me ask you this, though. I mean, I, I haven't really ever even entertained the uh, question until now, but what if a transgender uh, male? a natural born woman competed in a male sport and kicked ass in it, you know, and one, uh, would we feel all feel the same way about it? If I, well, I, again, I would, cause I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Okay. So, cause I, and, and I might, cause I don't know nothing about this. when they take the hormones to change into whatever that they want to, if we're talking about a biological female that wants to become male, does that give them more physical strength? Because I don't know. And I, you know, well, I'm sure I, they take steroids and growth hormones and stuff. But see, but, then uh, would that automatically disqualify them then from because don't don't these athletic commissions don't they have a rule about steroids and shit anyway? Yeah, but you got to wonder would they waive that though because it's a transgender person. They should. I mean, should, yeah, In- exactly. I mean, it's it's. What if, it's ridiculous. It, it's all pretty ridiculous when you it, think about it. It's fucking disgusting. I think I, you know, and I get it. There's not enough trans people in the world yet to have their own league. I understand that, but I guess what? I'm sorry. You. If what about the WNBA? Oh, is that is is that what is that what that is? Or what is that a joke? I don't get it. <laughs> well, you can't tell me all those chicks are chicks. That's um, all I'm saying. I don't watch. I don't watch any sports to be honest. So I didn't know. Um, I no, don't watch the WNBA, by the way. So. <laughs> um, no, I just don't think that, like, okay, every action in your life can have a consequence, and every action has a reaction. You have to, and that's what I, that's what annoys I th- myself, and I think that's what annoys a lot of other people about all this propaganda, you know, with the B- Black Lives Matter movement and with recently with the gay community's proverbial cock being shoved down our throats is they're basically saying, hey, we want this respect, but we don't want the realistic backlash that can come with it. We don't want the realistic consequences that can come from our actions to get our to achieve our goals. That I think that's one of the most annoying things about all these movements lately. And 
you know, if you're a trans, what if you become a trans anything, you know, I, I think one of the things you should understand is, is you just can't compete in sports because you know what I mean? Like you're not going to be able to have the same opinion as everyone else has. That's running the sport. That's, that's running. Yeah. It, it's like, respect me because I am, I claim to be this, not because of my actions and the fact that I've earned your respect. Yeah, exactly. And then, and, and that's, why did we as a society in the last 10 to 15 lose the realistic aspect of all that? Like that's part of life. Like we've all been raised to believe love who you are, not for what you want to be, you know? And, but now we live in a society and I'll, I know it's going to sound harsh, but I'll come out and say how I actually feel about it. I think that what we're really doing as a society is encouraging mental illness when you absolutely yeah couldn't agree more couldn't agree more right and i'm not saying that trans people are bad people villainous or anything like that but because we all have some sort of mental issues to a certain extent we all have something to deal with so i'm not everybody saying, yeah, everybody everybody me you producer mike his problem is especially yes, producer mike especially yeah. producer mike got a cocaine problem for Christ's sake. We just learned that on tonight's episode. But um, you know, you, you you can't you can't ask, you can't demand for respect. You have to earn it. And I'm sorry, but like the all these trans people, you know, they want to become trans, but then they want certain things to be a certain way, like call me they slash them or call me by this brand new female name that I want. And uh, you know, I want to be in female sports and maybe I want to be in the military. Well, guess what? You don't get some of those options if you become trans. I mean, are, are you know what I mean? Should trans people be allowed to go into the military? I'm sorry, but I don't think so because they're, they're injecting things into their bodies that will alternate their, their way of thinking. And I'm sorry, but like, if I was in the army, I wouldn't want a comrade that's trans because they might have a fucking mental breakdown and break a nail or something in the middle of combat or, you know what I mean? Like, I know it's harsh, but I, I, you know, like, like, okay. Disabled people. I, there's lots of things I can't do as a disabled person. You know what? I accept it. I, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and be all like, well, I want everybody to refer to me as Mr. Normie Normal Legs, and I'm not Cripple Cody anymore. I'm Normie Norman or something like Normie that. Normie McNorman. Normie McNorman. Yeah. Normie McNorman. That's me from now on. And I, you know, I can't get into sports or, you know, I, I can't go to parties with flights of stairs to get to the room. I just have to accept certain things that to say as a disabled person. And again, like you just said a minute ago, all of us have our own limitations. All of us have our own mental issues, our own physical limitations. And we all, as human beings, have to just accept certain circumstances based around our own existence. And, and do the best we can with them. That, that's yeah. the key thing, doing the best you can with the cards you're dealt. Yeah. and But, but I'm sorry, the best you can doesn't mean be, wanting to be, uh, become a different gender and then saying that you have the right to use that gender's bathroom in the fucking in public places. I'm sorry, but I, that, I don't believe that. If you're dressed up as a woman, but you have a penis, go into the fucking male's bathroom. You have a penis, for Christ's sake. Because here's yeah. the thing. Let me, ask, let me paint this picture for you, Cody. You have a young daughter, right? I have three young daughters. <laughs> exactly. 
what if they were in a public restroom and a fucking trans woman comes in there and she, one of your daughters accidentally sees the gen genitals of a trans woman? Well, you would be fucking infuriated, would you not? Yeah, yeah, if they just walked in there and whipped it out in front of them, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, not saying, yeah. I'm not saying that that's what a trans woman would do. Chances are that. Well, no, no, uh, I didn't mean like, hey, look at these kids, you know, uh, but uh, if, you know, saying a urinal or something, or they go into a bathroom and they just fucking whip it out and start taking a piss, you know, in one of the stalls and the my kids are in there, you know, yeah, I'm going to be like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, dude. Exactly, dude. Um. So yeah, I don't think that. It, okay, if you're trans and if you had the surgery, and and if you, no matter if it's medically made or whatever, well, if they're squatting to pee, they're not going to see it anyway. So that you know, close I, the fucking stall door. You know. I, but I will also say, if you have, if you're trans and you have the surgery, fine, I'll accept it. Go ahead and use the female bathroom because at that point you did. You, you're yeah. having a vagina, basically. And that being said, if I'm in the bathroom, a public bathroom with one of my sons, and uh, and a dude walks in dressed as a chick and uh, whips it out and starts pissing in the urinal, you know, I, I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to be 100% cool with that either, you know. Uh, you know, uh, that being said, they go in there, go use the stall, but uh, my kids are going to be like, what's going on? My young sons are going to be like, what? going on here dad you know right. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> this is so great. great timing um go back go snort another line would you mike um and you know the final thing i want to say on this subject before we wrap tonight up is i and i'm sure you'll agree with me on this because this is just common sense to fucking agree on because right now we're also seemingly moving into a society where parents want to groom their own children to make their sexual orientation choices in childhood. And, and even let them, even let them have fucking uh, corrective surgery or, you know, sex change surgeries as children, you know. What the fuck? I mean, yeah, come on. There's no justification for that. There's just none. I mean, at 10 years old, I didn't, I couldn't decide whether I fucking like Strawberry fruit roll-ups better or grapefruit roll-ups? You know, I'm not going to decide whether I need a dick or not at 10 years old. <laughs> My God. It, it's, it, and people always say, well, Cody, what's, what, what's your reasons why you don't want to have kids? Well, I have my main reasons because I just don't want to be a father and I don't want no kids. But I have this other reason because look at the fucking world that we've moved into. Yeah. yeah. What? An offspring of mine to grow up in this disgusting-ass society where yeah. we have yeah. And I think about that a lot, you know, and, and my, uh, my kids, uh, weren't playing, but you know, so you got to do the best you can <laughs> once they're here. But, uh, yeah, but that being said, uh, going back to what you said, not wanting to have kids. I, I was right there with you. I mean, I had my first daughter whenever I was 30 and I mean, it was, a big adjustment for me because I, I was already in the mindset that I'm never going to have kids. Uh, but that being said, even like you, I, I know, which I don't want to get too mushy with it, but you would, you would make a wonderful parent to kids. Uh, uh, and, and I, I say, I don't say that jokingly at all, uh, but uh, uh just from personal experience, because I, I was even, even my friends, uh, uh, 
Well, they've told me they thought told me they thought I was the last person that uh, out of our bunch that would be a parent. And now my whole life revolves around it, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, but it, it's it's definitely uh, uh, it's definitely a, a life changer. Yeah, I mean, and I I understand what you're saying, and I appreciate the compliment. I think, in, in the sense of how my morals are in life, and exactly, that's what I meant. I mean, you 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 are a good-hearted person and an intelligent person, and like like you're saying about the way the world is now. If if you're a good parent, then I, I I at least hope all my kids they're all still pretty young. I got them all the way from five to eleven, but I I hope between me and uh and their mother that uh, we can instill enough into them that they'll do okay in life now we're gonna end this episode tonight with uh, the, the toughest question that i can think of to ask you so you said your oldest daughter's 11 and you know it could be just the next five six years you never know she could be meeting boys and starting thinking like that how are you going to handle that as a parent are you going to be more like reluctant or you're going to be more lenient or you're going to get your daughters on birth control. Like what you, you're going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to face this issue eventually. Right. You can take a drink on that one. <laughs> I almost thought your screen froze. Like I told you I was going to ask you some tough questions tonight. No, no, I, I am, I am scared to death of the teenage years. Uh, especially going to have uh, my, my uh, daughters are just a year apart. Uh, my older, two older daughters, they're ten and eleven, so uh, they're both going to be hitting those teens about the same time. And man, I'm not looking forward to that. But uh, as far as the boyfriends thing, I'm not that worried about it. Um, my family's been in this part of the country for about 200 years. And, um, uh, you know, I know it pretty well. Uh, and and there's a lot of woods out here, man, and a lot of sinkholes and, and wells and I know where stuff. This at, and uh, what, I, what I'm saying, you know, People disappear all the time. And you know, that's all you got to tell some hornball teenage boys. Look, I, my family's been around these parts for 200 years, and we know where all the sinkholes are. Stay the fuck away from my daughter. Uh, and I won't even go into, into detail like that. I've already got this rehearsed. Whenever uh, my daughter goes on her first date, when she's 40, um, I'll <laughs> when they're heading out the door, I'll... Tell her uh, date. I'll say, hey, catch. And I'll throw him something. And when he catches it, it'll look at it. It'll be a, uh, a shotgun shell. And uh, he'll look at it and I'll say, uh, be home by 10 or the next one will be coming a lot faster. That's a fucking, that's good saying right there. That is, um, that yeah, that's good. I'm, that's Hold on to that and yeah, that will put any fear fear into any young boy in the future. And that's, that's, that's clever. I just tell him, man, I've watched a lot of horror movies in my days. <laughs> I know how to dispatch bodies like you wouldn't fucking believe. <laughs> well, on that note, my friend, I think that's a high, the best note we can end on tonight. Um, Cody, man, tonight has been wonderful. I did not think we were going to go damn near three hours <laughs> from tonight. 
No, it's been a lot of fun. I feel like we've almost only scratched the surface. <laughs> we we could possibly do a part two, not real soon, but maybe like early next year or something. We could do a part yeah, two. Yeah, why not? Yeah, uh, you know I'm game. Yeah. All right. Well, Cody Robinson, normal Cody. That's been our episode. Um, like, comment, and subscribe. Fault Mike. If you're done snorting your line, throw up whatever on the screen that you want to throw up. Raven Red, Patreon, whatever the fuck. Cody, you got anything to plug while he's... Uh, uh, no, I was just going to say, uh, well, besides, uh, check out Nair Duel's podcast. Uh, and uh, this has been Two Cody's, One Cup. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. See you all in the next episode. Are he may be asleep. He may be fucking asleep. Are we going to end the episode? What the fuck's going on here? He's, a, he's fucking asleep.
$50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.